Blog Talk Radio. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, folks? My Take Radio, episode 52 for Thursday, July 22nd, 2010. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury. You can get that song or any of the other songs from previous episodes at ocremix.org. The artist for this song is Vertex Guy. The call-in number, 347-324-3541. Again, that number is 347-324-3541. Now, before I get into some housekeeping, I'm noticing for some reason I hear an annoying click in the microphone. I don't know if it's just me hearing it in my headphones or if you guys are hearing it as well. Just uh, do me a favor. If you do hear it, just let me know in the chat. It's you know one of those little technical shits that always pops up when I need to do the show. Haven't had one in a while, of course, being that tonight is um, a special episode. Shit goes down and things get fucked up. Nonetheless little housekeeping first. The ads, you've seen them. There's actually a new ad up for Branded Baron. It's a uh, clothing company. I'm actually trying to see if I can work with those guys to get some My Take Radio shirts made up, but they actually have a really kick-ass assortment of shirts. Head over to brandedbaron.com. Again, the website is brandedbaron, B-A-R-O-N.com, or you can just click the banner on mytakeradio.com. As always, the donate button is there. If you want to help My Take Radio grow, you know, feel free to contribute 50 cents a quarter. I don't know, a fucking nickel. I don't give a shit. But um, it would help just to offset some of the costs. This is a, a huge endeavor considering that it's being done with a 9-to-5 job and a thousand other real-world things going on. But nonetheless, donate buttons there. You guys know the deal. The forums, a little quiet as of late. I mean, conversation's been a little quiet just because people work, shit happens, but... You know, the forums are there if you want to interact with some of the other listeners and some of the other contributors to the site. The forum is one of the best ways to do it. The only other, uh, the only other way I recommend is the Facebook fan page, of course. If you're not on Facebook, at least during most of your day, when you are, you should stop over and click that like button and show MTR some support. We actually hit 200 fans before the show today. I'm very, very happy to see that. The My Take Radio Army is growing rather quickly. I've been playing around with the logos. As, you, as you've seen, you've seen some funny shit that got put up. There's a couple of different things being done with the logo that is probably going to be on some kind of a shirt, or maybe there's going to be some kind of other uh, merchandise in the near future. I may actually do the shirts with, with one vendor and then do like tchotchke shit like stickers and mouse pads and stuff through another vendor, but I should have that finalized hopefully by the end of August. The move to the new hosting site should be happening, I'm hoping, probably the second week in August. So I will put up an announcement when the site is going to be down. 
Um, I'm 99% certain that we're going to go with the Simple Machines forum for the new MTR forums. They, it looks really nice. It adds a lot of cool things that the current um, WordPress forum doesn't offer. So we're going to discuss that as well in the coming weeks. Uh, again, just stay tuned to MyTakeRadio.com or the Facebook fan page or the MyTakeRadio account on Twitter to keep up to date with that stuff. But the, I'm trying to do the maintenance probably just in time to have the site up and running brand new in time for that week's show. So it should be happening probably the first week of August. Um, of course, in August we got the UFC Expo. The odds of me going have decreased quite a bit because it's going to be back to school and i got to buy a ton of shit for my sisters to go back to school with. So, you know, those are the uh, trials and tribulations of a insta-dead, so to speak. And before I get into the rundown, how can I forget... If you're in the chat, take a few minutes and wish my MTR's Slick happy birthday. It's Slick's birthday today. Um, this, uh, this week's episode, besides it being episode 52, is going to be dedicated to Slick for all the hard work he does behind the scenes, all the great content he provides for the site, and just being a jolly yet full of rage individual. Thanks a lot, my friend, for all the work you do. And... Um, I appreciate it, and the rest of the MTR staff appreciates you, so happy birthday. Um, tonight's topics, we're going to talk about some of the upcoming UFC events. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Strike Force Women's Tournament. We're going to talk wrestling news. We're going to talk about the ECW Invasion TNA, um, what's going on with Monday Night Raw, my opinions on the Nexus. We're going to talk a little bit about the San Diego Comic-Con we got some video game news. Nintendo has some really crazy numbers that came out from the MPD, um, from the MPD group from last week that I didn't elaborate on because I didn't have that information until this week's broadcast. We're going to talk some movie news. We got some what-the-fuck movie news with some really stupid movies that are in the pipe. But first off, ugh, shit. First off, let's get into some MMA first. Efrain Escudero is going to be fighting John Gunderson, and Nick Catone is going to be fighting Tomas DeWall at UFC Fight Night 22. Those fights have been rumored, and they are official as of today. UFC Fight Night 22 takes place September 1st, I mean 15th, excuse me, at the Frank Irwin Arena in Austin, Texas, and that's going to air live on Spike TV. Alan Belcher should be fighting Damian Maya on that card. Matt Danzig's on that card. Matt Wyman's on that card. A lot of great fighters. Cole Miller, Ross Pearson. Uh, Mefren Escudero, of course, who I'm actually a big fan of. I also like Nick Catone. He's pretty cool as well. I've seen a couple of his fights. Um, definitely free MMA is never a bad thing, and you can catch that September 15th on Spike. Also, in other UFC news, the UFC on Versus 2 event, which is going to be taking place August 1st from the San Diego Sports Arena, is officially wrapped up. There's going to be 11 fights on the card. Uh, the main event is John Bones Jones. He's going to be fighting uh, Vladimir Matyshenko. Um, huge fan of John Jones. Awesome wrestler. He's young. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who fucking suplexed somebody, and he put an ass-whooping on um, Brandon the Truth Vera. So definitely great fight. Uh, Vladimir Matyshenko, uh, great. He, he's a grinder. He likes to use a lot of that grinding offense where he just, he just hammers it in with small damage. I think John Jones is definitely going to be tested in this fight just because Matyshenko is a veteran. He also knows how to work the ground really well. But John Jones is so dynamic. He's so quick. And he's just such an awesome up-and-coming fighter. I think he's definitely going to take it. 
Mark Munoz is going to be fighting Yushin Okami. Jake Ellenberger is going to be fighting John Howard. Takanori Gomi is going to be fighting Tyson Griffin. I'm hoping for a better performance from Gomi this time around than when he fought Florian. I'm a huge fan of the Fireball Kid. Um, Paul Kelly is going to be fighting on that card, as is Demarcus Johnson. Uh, James Irvin is going to be on that card as well. Thiago Tavares, Rob Kimmins, overall stacked card. And again, free TV on Versus August 1st, so definitely check that out for sure. Also, UFC 117 is pretty much coming together quite nicely. Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen, that's August 7th. Thiago Alves and John Fitch, which is going to be a fantastic fight. You've got Almeida and Hughes, Junior Dos Santos and Roy Nelson. You've got Clay Guida on the card. Um, Tim, Tim Bocek, Dustin Hazlett, Ben Saunders. Awesome. UFC 117 is going to be ridiculous. Um, a couple of things going on with this fight that people are talking about. Randy Couture has been talking about that he wants to fight Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva wants to fight George St. Pierre. Chael Sonnen wants to pound out Anderson Silva's face. Everybody wants a piece of Anderson Silva, but the fact of the matter is he, Chael Sonnen gets the crack at him first, and after that happens, we'll see where it goes from there. The fact of the matter is that Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre is, a, is an awesome super fight, and if and when it happens, it needs to be totally separate from everything else. Those guys can't have belts. They, they need to just be free to focus on this super fight and not worry about title defenses afterwards. At least that's how I feel. I think the fact of the matter is that we got to definitely look forward to something like that. I mean, Anderson Silva versus Randy Couture would be a badass fight, but the, the fight everyone wants to see is Silva and GSP just because you got two of the most dominant fighters in their divisions. Those guys, it's inevitable that they're gonna that they're gonna fight it, it. It has to happen, and sooner or later it will. And I honestly think that that's the fight that's gonna really push MMA more so into the mainstream, just because those guys, you know, ESPN talks about them. They mainstream so much. You know, you can walk into any sporting goods store and used to see an Under Armour ad with a football player or a, a baseball player, a, you know, somebody from from a major league sport. You walk in there now, you see a GSP billboard. You, say, you see GSP pushing Under Armour, recognized as an Under Armour athlete. I think that's just um, the mainstream appeal that he has, and I think a fight with Silva would be fantastic. UFC 117, like I said, that's going to happen August 7th. Also, UFC 120 is taking, taking shape also. That's going to be October 16th, and that's going to be in the O2 Arena in London. Rumors are flying around that it's going to air on Spike TV for free. I really hope it does because Akiyama is going to be fighting Bisping on that card. Carlos Condit is going to be fighting Dan Hardy, which I want to see, and John Hathaway is going to be fighting Mike Pyle. Czech Tongo is rumored to be on that card. So is James Wilkes, uh, Cyril Diabati, um, Stephen Cantwell, all great fighters on that card. And if it's on free TV, that's going to be badass as well for sure. A um, couple of other bits of MMA news. There's been a verbal agreement, as per MMA Junkie, that Quentin Rampage Jackson is going to be fighting Lyoto Machida for about scheduled for November 20th, which I believe is going to be UFC 123. Uh, Jackson made a little bit of an announcement, which I saw on Twitter. He put, I'm almost ready to sign a bout agreement. I will tell you who I'm going to get down with, but I can't spell his name. So unless it's, unless it's Little Nog, it, it has to be Machida. I think a fight with Machida would be interesting. Um, you know, you got Machida striking his quote-unquote elusive style. Then you got Rampage coming in off that really stupid loss that he had 
to Rashad Evans, and uh, Rampage is really looking to get in there and fuck somebody up, and Machida's a good fighter. I don't really like him too much because he's boring as shit, but definitely a very competitive fight for sure. Um, Also, Tito Ortiz is going to be looking to make his return to the octagon. He's been um, announced to be fighting Matt Hamill probably for UFC 121, October 23rd. UFC 121 also looks like a badass event that's coming together. You've got Lesnar and Velasquez for the heavyweight title. You've got Hamill and Ortiz, rumored. Martin Kampman's going to be fighting the, the, the newly signed Jake Shields, um, which, of course, if you're on Twitter, that's all people talked about for at least a week. There's a couple of uh, great people on Twitter, uh, guys like Bowsen. If you're on Twitter, you should definitely follow him. It's at B-A-U-Z-E-N. Um, Ames Bell also, A-M-E-S-B-E-L-L-E, definitely had a lot of fun uh, poking at the signing of Jake Shields just because the way people made it sound, they made it sound like it was the second coming of Jesus. I like Jake Shields. He's a great fighter. Um, he's fantastic. I just feel he's, he's very drab. He's just, I don't know. I mean, you know, that fight with Hendo, to me, exposed him because Hendo was whooping that ass. And the fact of the matter is that you know, he ended up getting, getting the Duke in that one and, and keeping the belt, and he ended up leaving Strikeforce high, not high and dry, but just, you know, he ended up leaving with the belt anyway. So um, not to say that I dislike him, I don't. I just feel that there's a lot of um, overdramatic hype when talking about Jake Shields. Again, he's a great fighter. Um, you know, they made his signing seem like, you know, they signed Fedor or King Mo or somebody like that. Jake Shields is good, but... For, for the web to be fucking creaming in their shorts about it, eh, I like him. Don't get me wrong, he's just too drab for my liking. Also, Gabriel Gonzaga has been rumored to be fighting Brendan Schaub, which should be a fantastic fight. Diego Sanchez would be fighting Paulo Thiago. Again, that's a rumored fight. Patrick Cote and Tom Waller have the makings of fight of the night for sure. Um... Cote is one of my favorite fighters. He's very humble. Um, he's a great athlete. He trains well. He presents himself as just a, an overall classy guy. Tom Waller's hilarious. Um, anytime he comes out in his outfits or his costumes, he came out as Dan Severn for one fight. He came out as Hulk Hogan, Lawler Mania on another. Uh, Tom Waller's an awesome dude. Um, Court McGee's rumored to be on that card as well as his Sam, as his Sam Stout and Chris Camozzi as well. Those were all rumored fights, that rumored fighters that are going to be on that 121, and that's going to be October 23rd out of the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. And last but not least, Strikeforce has confirmed that we'll be doing a single-night tournament for the women's 135-pound division. That tournament's going to take place August 13th on the Strikeforce Challengers 10. The winner of the tournament's going to get a title shot after Marluz Conan, who's going to be fighting... Uh, the winner of the Sarah Kaufman Roxanne Mataferi fight, which I believe is going to be happening this weekend. Um, not 100%. I don't have my little handy dandy MMA calendar in front of me, but nonetheless, definitely something to see. Women's MMA and Strike Force is really taking off, and they got some great female fighters on there. You got Hitomi Akano, she's 15 and 7. Uh, Karina Dam, she's 15 and 3. Uh, Maiju Kujala, she's 4-1. you got Misha Tate, who's an awesome um, female fighter. She's 9-2. She's 1-1 in strike force, but again, all, all these women in a tournament to the winner getting Marlos Conan, who's fantastic. I mean, she, she, she took a really hard fight against 
um, Cyborg, but again, the winner gets Sarah Kaufman, who's no fucking slouch. She's 11-0, and 0, and she's 3-0 and 0 in Strike Force, or, or the, her challenger, Roxanne Monteferi, who's 15-5, and 5, and she's 0-1 in Strike Force, but still 15-5 and 5 is a nice record. Um, overall, definitely a tournament worth seeing, and that's going to be August 13th for Strike Force Challengers on Showtime. I'm going to take a uh, little commercial break. We're going to talk about some wrestling right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter... Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. All right, and we're back. Let's talk some wrestling. There's a couple of things I want to go through. It's not a really action-packed segment. Uh, first off, this past weekend was the WWE Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Uh, overall, it was decent. There's a lot of bullshit that I really didn't like. And with that said, let's get right into it. The SmackDown Money in the Bank the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match had the big show dashing Cody Rhodes, which has to be the worst nickname ever, ever. Why don't you just call yourself Pissbag, you know, tighty-wearing jizzbag. How about that? Dashing Cody Rhodes is fucking abysmal. It really is terrible, especially because just you're not, like, a dashing dude. Who the fuck uses that? Is this the 40s? Oh, he's dashing and definite. Who, who does that? Who calls themselves that? Why don't you just call yourself fucking Sweet Sugar Tank Cody Rhodes? Because some of those fucking poses you do before some of your wrestling matches definitely do not look like you play for the right team. So definitely dashing Cody Rhodes does not help your case either. Um, he was also in that match with Christian, Matt Hardy, the IC champion Kofi Kingston, Kane, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre, who is utterly fucking boring. fact of the matter is, it's a typical Money in the Bank ladder match. Somebody gets tossed off a ladder. Somebody gets powerbombed off a ladder. Somebody gets chokeslammed off a ladder. All of that happened. Needless to say, who I thought was going to win, which was going to be either Christian or Matt Hardy, did not deliver. The winner of all people turned out to be Kane, which is surprising, but it leads to something that happens later on in the broadcast. The WWE Divas title match with Alicia Fox and Eve Torres was a fucking train wreck. Um, Alicia Fox is a good wrestler. Eve Torres is coming along quite nicely. It just looked like, like a total mismatch. Like, the match wasn't planned out accordingly, and it ended rather quickly, so Alicia Fox ended up retaining. The unified tag team title match saw the Hart Dynasty fight the Usos. Uh, the Hart Dynasty ended up winning with uh, David Hart Smith putting Jimmy Uso in the sharpshooter. Uh, you can't really have these two tag teams continue to fight so much just because it's getting a little, a little fucking watered down and a little out of hand for sure. Um, the World Heavyweight title match had Rey Mysterio fighting Jack Swagger. Um, Jack Swagger, I thought he was going to get the belt, but they figured they'd do the smart thing and they'd keep the belt on Mysterio. Fact of the matter is, Jack Swagger put an ass whooping on him. He ended up having Rey Mysterio in the ankle lock. Uh, Rey Mysterio tapped after the bell. After Jack Swagger left, who comes out? Kane with the money in the bank. 
chases Jack Swagger off, cashes in the belt. Cha-ching! Guess what happens? Kane beats Rey Mysterio. Who's your new world heavyweight champion? Kane is. Of all things, you know, you put the belt on Kane, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just like, uh, you know, it's, it's Kane is, 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 is a mixed character. Sometimes he has a really good run, and sometimes his runs are just utter stupidity, either with all these stupid storylines that they put him in. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, if they write, him, if they write the story right and they book him correctly, he'll do well. In the women's title match, it was Layla defending against Kelly Kelly. Uh, Layla ended up winning, again, another typical rushed Divas match that ended up ending in a train wreck. And the Raw Money in the Bank, which was also surprising, saw Edge, Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, Evan Bourne, Ted DiBiase, The Miz, John Morrison, and Mark Henry in the match. First off, things that you know are going to happen. RKO, off a ladder. Airborne, off a ladder. At the end of the day, it ended up being, of all of, of all the people who I could not see winning, The Miz ended up winning the Money in the Bank. He, caught a, he, he cut a really badass promo, and the, your, the Miz is the Money in the Bank winner. Now it's a matter of when he's going to cash it in and if they're going to give him the belt. Because usually the guy that wins Money in the Bank, 99.99999% certain, is going to get the belt. I don't really know if the Miz is championship quality yet. He's actually walking around Comic-Con. He's been putting up pictures on Twitter, and he's carrying around the Money in the Bank briefcase, which is actually a nice bit of continuity for his character, which is pretty cool. And the steel cage match was, of course, Ronald McDonald, a.k.a. Sheamus, against John Cena. Before I get into this match, i got to tell you, I'm really tired of John Cena. Not as a, car- as a wrestler, because he-, he wrestles well, but I'm just tired of his, of his cookie-cutter, I'm-a-typical-vanilla-good-guy promos. They're so fucking bullshit. You know, how many jokes are you going to make about the fact that Seamus looks like, you know, afterbirth or a jar of mayonnaise with fucking ketchup on it? it, it it's stupid. It's so stupid. But the only thing that can help John Cena's character is a heel turn. Of course, this leads me into this match. Sheamus actually ended up winning via escape and retained the belt, but there was interference from the Nexus. Of course, the Nexus gets in, they attack Cena, Cena spazzes out, fucking kills all of those guys. Here's where it gets interesting before I get into the Monday Night Raw aspect of the broadcast. There's a rumor, and if you listen to any of the Nexus' promos, you'll see what they're talking about. Whenever Wade Barrett is talking about the Nexus, he says that there's something bigger going on, something that's bigger than the Nexus, which obviously indicates that there's somebody behind the scenes pulling the strings. Now, originally, it was rumored that the guy pulling the strings was going to be Triple H. That didn't end up happening. It ended up being Triple H has to get surgery on his arm because he ended up getting a tear in one of his tendons. Obviously, steroids would do that to you. But um, besides that, um, a crazy rumor, and take it as a rumor, was the fact that the person who was behind the scenes the whole time was John Cena. And he was going to actually turn heel and side with the Nexus. Now, let me tell you, if that were legit, it would be the best swerve in a while. Because if you want to book Cena like Hogan, Hogan joining the NWO was the best thing. The Nexus is the hot young group. Cena turns. 
he's the driving force behind it, it would it would work. It would really work. The fact of the matter is that WWE is not going to do that. They're going to go with some other typical bullshit that'll probably totally that'll be totally ass backwards and won't work. But those are the rumors that it might be Cena. We'll see what happens. Raw this week, of course, coming right off of that. First off, Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, and Edge fought in a triple threat match. The winner got a shot at she- at Sheamus for SummerSlam. Randy Orton ended up winning that match. No problem with Randy Orton in the number one contender spot. Odds are that Randy Orton's going to get the fucking the belt off of Ronald McDonald. Got no problem with that. Second match was Eve versus Maurice. Totally fucking clusterfuck of a match. It's like, who's training these divas that they can't put on a decent three-minute match? Who? who who's training them? Because when, when Finley was training them and, and Billy Kidman was training them, there were, there were quality matches. But these matches are just fucking hair-pulling, somebody getting kicked in the face, um, a chop to the chest, some screaming. Oh, it's just they, they need work. They should definitely be watching TNA Impact and watching the knockouts and taking notes. Uh, the third match on Raw was Evan Bourne fighting Sheamus. It was really a fucking no-brainer that Evan Bourne was going to get his ass whooped. That ended up being the case. The Miz tried to cash in his money in the bank, ended up not going according to plan. R-Truth actually ended up not allowing him to cash it in, so Miz actually still has the case, of course. Santino Morella and Kozlov fought Zack Ryder and William Regal in a really stupid match. Um, the morella Kozlov pairing, I thought, had potential, but it's starting to look just real mismatched and actually really stupid. Fifth match was Wade Barrett from the Nexus. He was fighting Mark Henry. Um, there are rumors that Mark Henry got injured taking the finishing move from Wade Barrett called the Wasteland. Don't know how, that, how legit that is. I heard he got checked out, but that he wasn't injured. Nonetheless, definitely props to Wade Barrett for picking up Mark Henry because that's a big motherfucker. Mark Henry's got to be at least like 450 or so. Of course... Raw ends with the Nexus, as always, calling out John Cena. They offer John Cena the opportunity to, to join their group. That's called WWE shutting down the Internet, because John Cena, of course, rejects it, fights the Nexus, and says that at SummerSlam, they're going to have, uh, I think it's a 12-man tag match. It's going to be John Cena, Edge, John Morrison, R-Truth, The Great Khali, Chris Jericho, and Bret Hart, of all people, and they're going to be fighting the Nexus. Actually, it's going to be seven-on-seven at SummerSlam. So don't know about Bret Hart being involved unless Bret Hart turns on him, which could be pretty interesting, and he's the brains behind the Nexus, but that's way too fucking easy. Even my fucking sister can figure that one out, but who knows? In some TNA news, which I'm going to talk about to wrap up the wrestling segment, TNA is doing a really great job. They're really working on doing an ECW invasion. Last week, TNA Impact ended with Tommy Dreamer and the rest of the ECW originals attacking the TNA roster. Not only that, but members of ECW that were members of TNA, of course, aligned themselves with their fellow TNA brethren, um, their fellow ECW brethren, and whooped everybody's asses. The big, the big curveball at the end of the broadcast was Dixie Carter, who's the owner of TNA, grabbing a microphone and telling the TNA employees as well as the audience that they shouldn't be fighting because she invited them. So very interesting that, that TNA management is actually actively acknowledging ECW. The rumors are that the 
Hard Justice pay-per-view, which is coming up, is going to be dedicated to ECW. It's going to be called instead Hardcore Justice, and you're going to see some of the ECW originals um, partake in the pay-per-view. I don't know if they'll be fighting TNA wrestlers or if it's going to strictly be an ECW affair, but I think it's a step in the right direction. It's really cool that they're doing it. ECW, regardless of how hokey and stupid people thought it was, it really was a, a really groundbreaking promotion. The fact of the matter is, ECW, I remember going to see ECW in the Elks Lodge in Queens, in Queens Boulevard. It was fucking seedy. It was smelly. There were some real fat fucks there. There were some, there were some trash bags there. But it was such a great intimate atmosphere just because you can hand wrestlers steel chairs. How awesome is that? You're sitting in the front row and, you know, Devon Dudley's like, give me a chair. And you get up and you hand your chair to the wrestler and he slaps a fucking guy in the head. That's what shit was really, that's when shit was really popping off back in the late 90s, man. ECW really reinvigorated my interest in wrestling. Not only that, but it introduced me to the, to the hardcore style. And then as I got older, I watched a lot of Japanese wrestling and learned a little bit about what they call the strong style in Japan. So ECW had its fair mixture of all those styles. You had the cruiserweights, you had hardcore, you had chain wrestling, mat wrestling, you had great talkers, you had uh, risque valets, you had shit talking you had guys that actually made you give a fuck about the product. So seeing ECW get its, its um, acknowledgement from TNA is really nice. I mean, them doing something similar to One Night Stand is going to be cool for sure. But we'll see how it plays out in the next few weeks. Um, last but not least, WWE.com announced some guests for the upcoming episodes of Raw in October of all times. Um, Bobby J. Thompson, who's a knucklehead, was um, going to be there October 18th, and country singer Toby Keith will be there the 25th. And um, Strider, what the fuck are you doing giving people in the chat room a hard time? Ames Bell is a friend of the show. Show some fucking respect before I go to Florida and skull fuck your face. I'm kidding. I love you, Strider. You're a good egg. Um... With that said, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. I need some fucking water because it's hot. We're going to talk some video games right after this. The following advertisement is for BornStubbornRadio.com. BornStubbornRadio. We like news. We like current events. But we like the fucked up news and the fucked up current events. At Born Stubborn Radio, we talk about everything in entertainment. We talk about movies. We talk about music. Mostly heavy stuff. Have good mosh pitting. And because we're big fucking nerds, we talk about video games. <laughs> we're big fucking nerds. We love video games. Fuck's sake, man. <laughs> Rich loves the show. Yeah. Hey, Rich, you like the show, don't you? Yeah, man. Are you sure you like the show? <laughs> yeah, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the music. Isn't Born Southern Radio one of your favorite podcasts? Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, hold on a second. But I was just curious. I'm thinking about coming to New York. Awesome. You live in New York, right? Yeah. You think maybe I could uh, crash on your couch? Uh, in the predominantly Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. Um, Rich, I love you, but I don't know what the fuck you just said. In the Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. Exactly. Okay, I, I don't know what Rich is thinking, 
But PointsTepperRadio.com is where you should be going right now. Here you get it! Have good mosh pitting. All right, and we're back. Let's talk some video games. Right off the bat, Sony is confirming, get this, that their 3D games on the PS3, you know how Sony makes sure to tell you that their games are 1080 and blah, 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 blah. Guess what? 3D games on the PS3 will only be in 720p resolution. According to what they were saying, Simon Benson said at the developers' conference that they wouldn't be able to run at 60 frames per second in 3D as a result. Sony has guidelines to limit 3D games to the lower resolution. Uh, Mr. Benson added that a more cinematic game might actually benefit at the higher resolution with a lower frame rate, but Sony's guidelines will not allow it. He went on to say that even trained graphic artists would be, able, would be unable to differentiate between 720p and 1080p in 3D, so most customers won't know to, well, most consumers won't notice the drop. First off, I'm going to say this. 3D technology, regardless of the resolution, I'm going to tell you, 720p, a lot of the games, not a problem. 1080p, no difference. That's where I feel, me, me personally, that they're wrong. I'll tell you why. When you go and you play a PS3 game at 720p and you play it on TV sizes from 20 inches all the way up to, I'd say, 39, well, actually 32 and 37, 720p looks fine. The fact of the matter is, when you're going 1080p and you're going over 40 inches, you definitely see um, a noticeable difference just because the pixels are being stretched out far more. I think that in terms of 3D televisions, most of them are being marketed at 55 inches or more. And to me, yeah, the untrained eye isn't going to notice, but for those of us that are, you know, well-versed in noticing resolutions and we give a shit about our home theaters and we calibrate our shit, we are going to notice a little bit of degradation, but you know what? High-definition signals on broadcast television are in 720p and 1080i as it is, and the pictures look fantastic. So the fact that it's going to be 3D, I think, is just going to be a non-factor in the equation. I think Sony's smart by putting it out there and letting people know right off the bat before the technology is officially hardcore. But, again, this whole 3D gaming thing is only nice for some of those bigger games, you know, Halo. Halo would look cool in 3D, I guess. Um, most of the racing games, some basketball and sports games, at least in my, in my humble opinion, would look nice in 3D if implemented correctly. Um, I've done enough 3D beta tests at the Sony Style Store and at Best Buy as well to see what games benefit. If you go to the Sony Style Store sometime, they'll have game demos running. A game like Little Big Planet, which they like to show a lot for some reason, just doesn't grab me as much on 3D as a game like Wipeout XL, Wipeout HD, which looked really good. The fact of the matter is some games really are going to get the most benefit from the 3D treatment, and then there's going to be others where it's not going to do much. It's, it's weird. I mean, this whole 3D thing, I think it's just going to be a passing fad, but everybody's going to jump on it because, hey, what else is there? 4D, um, you know, high, 4K televisions, all that stuff is in the pipes and nowhere near being consumer ready. So, and 3D TVs, Samsung is already working on sub $1,000 
3D TV units. Once the TVs drop under $1,000, I think more people are going to be able to partake in the 3D technology. And just as long as it's optional and you don't have to use it on everything and you can enjoy it where it's meant to be enjoyed, whatever, fuck it. Let everything be 3D, but just let me have the option to turn the shit off. That's all I want. For those of you that give a shit about Madden, a.k.a. Roster Update 2011, and actually give a shit about a demo, you'll get the opportunity to play a demo on July 27th. Well, 27th, excuse me. The demo is going to have one five-minute quarter, and you'll be able to play as the Colts against my beloved New York Jets. Um, of course, the matchup was voted in by fans of the series. You're going to be able to use a few of the new features, including your own game plan using a team's playbook, uh, something called the game flow feature, which I'm more than sure doesn't have to, use, have to do with any of the quarterbacks being on the rag, which is going to allow you to pick the uh, best given scenario based on your game plan, and you're also going to be able to unlock the master strategist achievement in the full version of the game, which will rape the pockets of millions of guys on August 10th. Um, let me tell you something about Madden. I used to really buy Madden religiously every month, I mean, you know, every year, Every August, I'd go and plunk down my 60 bucks or my 50 bucks, and you're playing it, and you're playing it, and you're playing it, and it just becomes the same repetitive shit. Let me tell you something. Once you go online with Madden, unless you're really, really good, you'll probably go online five or six times, get beaten beyond oblivion, and just sell the game and not give a shit. Besides the fact, of course, that the game depreciates to shit. The minute you take the packaging off, the game's worth a dollar. So, you know, for those of you that love Madden, more props to you. I was a fan of the NFL 2K series. I'm really also not a fan of the fact that EA Sports monopolized the NFL genre, and they're the only game in town to put out NFL games. The fact of the matter is, when you have other people putting out competing products, it allows you to innovate and put out better shit. You know, Madden's excuse for innovation is, oh, look, you can have a cone view when you throw the ball. Or, look, I'm inside the helmet of Peyton Manning, and I can look down the field. I don't give a shit. It's, it's fucking stupid. Again, I'm not shitting on those of you that really like playing Madden. It's fine. But for me personally, it's a fucking waste because all they do is add one or two things and don't give you any incentive. Let me tell you something. The only sports game I'm actually contemplating buying right now is the new NBA 2K11 that has Michael Jordan in it because you'll be able to play signature Michael Jordan moments, which is really cool. Like, you can have him in, in the game where he had the fucking flu and he dropped 55 points and all those different games, and it's cool you can do that. I don't know where else he's going to be implemented in the game, but I think it's something different, something fresh. Not only that, but I just hate NBA Live because it got way too fucking complicated to be a basketball game. I remember the days when you'd play a basketball game, square was shoot, triangle was block, circle was steal, and X was turbo. Those days, long gone. Now you've got to come up with fucking triangle offense and fucking how, which way you're going to comb Phil Jackson's hairline and how many white chicks you want waiting for Kobe Bryant after the game. Way too, way too difficult for a fucking sports game for my liking for sure. Moving on, because I can shit on Madden for a long time. Plants vs. Zombies is finally coming out for the Xbox 360. You're going to expect that early in September. It's going to come with 50 original levels. You're going to have puzzle, survival, survival, and Zen Garden modes. You're also going to get 21 mini games and two multiplayer modes, including co-op and versus. 
I'm going to tell you right now, you play Plants vs. Zombies on an iPad or on the computer, it is fucking addicting. The concept is so silly because it's basically you own a house and you're planting different types of plants to keep zombies from invading your house and killing you. And these plants do different things. They shoot, they shoot bullets. They, um, they recharge other plants. All, all kinds of crazy shit. It's really a fun game. I would equate it almost to tower defense in a way, just a little bit different. But if you get a chance and you've got an Apple store near you, stop in, play around with Plants vs. Zombies on the iPad, and you'll see that the shit really is addicting. I can't wait for September to come around so I can play it, because I will tell you that you'll see me probably on there for hours at a time playing it. It's going to run you 1,200 Microsoft points, and there will be a Game of the Year edition via retail for the 360 and also for the PC, which is going to include Peggle and Zuma as well. And you may even get a little zombie figurine also. For those of you that are fans of Scott Pilgrim, these are the times I wish Ant was here, um, even though I told him off-air. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, which we all knew was going to be a PlayStation 3 exclusive, will also be coming to Xbox Live. The game originally, of course, was scheduled to be a PS3 exclusive, but what's going to happen is the PS3 is going to get it first, August 10th, and 360 fans will be getting it August 25th. It's going to run for 1,200 Microsoft points on the 25th of August, so put that in your calendars, folks. And also, earlier this week, Microsoft decided to announce that the Kinect is going to be $150. Big fucking shock! And, of course, you get Kinect Adventures and you should be getting that probably in November. Let me tell you, first off, $149. Too fucking much. Nobody's going to probably buy it at $149, at least not those that are really interested in the product, because it's, it's almost the price of a console. You know what will end up happening? It will be $149 probably at launch, and then closer to the holidays, 90 bucks. $89.99 will probably be the sweet spot, and they'll sell a lot of units. How the fuck is we Fit less money than the Connect? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's two different type of interfaces, but it's still physical motion involved in playing a game. Even when I bought Wii Fit, it was 100 bucks. It's, um, to, to me personally, I think $149 is too, is too high. It's got to be at least 90 bucks, but the early adopters are going to be online, plunking down their 149 like it ain't nothing, and the fact of the matter is that the Kinect games are going to run you 50 bucks, so, you know, a little bit cheaper, but, again, they're trying to really try and get that casual gaming audience, and for 150 bucks, that's not casual gaming money for sure. According to the rag known as Game Informer, a lot of you guys are going to fucking flip your lids on this, you know how you got Capcom versus Marvel, Tatsunoko versus Capcom? How about Namco versus Capcom? How about that shit? Does that fucking blow your mind or what? Namco versus Capcom. And here's what's going to happen. Each company is going to make the game. Namco is going to do their version using the Tekken 6 engine. And Capcom is going to do their version with the Street Fighter 4 engine. That is going to be ridiculous. Game Informer goes on to say that Street Fighter 4 producer Yoshinori Ono will handle the Capcom side of things, and Katsuhiro Harada will handle things on Namco's side. There's rumors that we may see a trailer as early as this weekend's San Diego Comic-Con. Let me tell you, if you do 
hand-drawn sprites of the Tekken characters, it's going to be ridiculous. And, and you don't even got to put all of them, because, again, it's Namco versus Capcom. But look, here's what you do. You can put Kazuya, Devil, because he has a projectile attack. You can put Jin. You can put King. You can put maybe um, Mitsurugi and Valdo from Soul Calibur and Ivy for a female character, or even Taki as well. Imagine all of those hand-drawn fighting the, the, the Capcom characters. It would be ridiculous. And then you go Tekken style, and you bring, you know, Ryu in there. You bring, you know, Zangief, um, Abel if you want to go crazy, Akuma. You can go uh, Bionic Commando. It's, it's really ridiculous. Not only that, but the fact that both companies are going to make the game, I guarantee you one of the two is going to be kind of shitty. I, I hate to break it to you guys, but it may, it may be the Namco version just because they have to, you know, kind of redo Street Fighter guys to go into the Namco universe. We'll see what's going on with that for sure. It'll be interesting to see it put out. Game Informer is usually... 50-50 with their rumors. A lot of the times they're full of shit. Sometimes they're not. Uh, I'll give the credit where credit is due for sure. Again, though, definitely a great time to be a fighting game fan. Of course, Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I'm putting as much coverage as I can from Comic-Con on MTR.com or MyTakeRadio.com, sorry. And, it, it, you know, let me take a second. I'm really in full-on hater mode for everybody that's on that's at Comic-Con right now. It's, 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 it's shitty to say, but, yo, I, we need to be there. We need to be there. And, and, and I guarantee you, My Take Radio will be at the Comic-Con in October. I don't give a fuck if I got to sell a kidney, donate a fucking couple of cups of baby batter. MTR is going to have a presence at the New York Comic-Con. This is bullshit. But um, moving on. The Guitar Hero Library is going to expand a little bit more this week, and they're actually putting out a tra pa track pack which catches my attention. It's for the band Disturbed, which I'm a fan of. You're going to get a uh, Disturbed track pack that comes with Down With The Sickness, uh, Stricken, and Indestructible. The track pack is available right now on Xbox Live for 440 Microsoft points, for 549 from the PlayStation Store, and from the Wii Shop channel for 550 points. You can also buy the songs as single downloads for 160 MS points, 199 from PS3, or 200 Wii points. The Disturbed track pack will also be compatible with Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock when the game is released this fall. Now let's talk a little bit about the MPD data that I had talked about last week. It seems that the MPD group put out some new numbers, and this is fucking crazy. Nintendo's DS is the biggest selling piece of hardware in the United States for the first half of 2010. It has sold 3,071,400 units. The second highest selling unit, the Wii, 2,455,700. Catching up in third place, Xbox 360 with 1,924,900 units. PlayStation 3, 1,591,000 units, and the PSP, a sad 599,000 units. It's crazy because Nintendo has a huge margin, huge. I mean, don't get me wrong, Sony and, 
and Microsoft has seen increases, but Nintendo's just fucking murdering shit. And, uh, wow. It's, it, it really is ridiculous that the two most innovative companies in the game that have some really badass titles just, just can't get the monkey off their back known as Nintendo. It, it's ridiculous. And, and the DS just has such a, such a healthy selection of titles for every genre that it, it's, it's absurd. It really is crazy that Nintendo's just whooping that ass. Whooping it. For sure. Um... <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, Slick. I didn't even look at the switchboard. Birthday boy, what do you got, my friend? <laughs> What's up, man? What's going on? Oh, man. Um, I was really was calling about the, the whole thing with all this Xbox Live shit coming out because I'm just seeing... As far as 360 is concerned, it's like, so far for the fall, I'm more interested in a lot of the Xbox Live games. I mean, the Xbox Live arcade games than I am for, like, actual retail disc disc games. Okay. I mean, one of the games I was... I mean, you got that game Limbo coming that was... I think that is actually... Yeah, it's out now. And just the premise of it and the whole art style and everything just looks crazy. I'm going to try that after the show and probably put something up on the site. Then you got the, um, I forgot the name of it, but there was, there was this game where it's like you just run around with knives and you just stab the shit out of people. It's like, it's definitely your type of game. It's like just mindless violence. Sounds like the outside of my house on a Friday night, but go ahead. Pretty much. But it's like it goes it goes from cutscene in the game and just real cartoon style, like brutal violence. And then you got oh, the, um, the Ty said it was Shank. Yeah. It was it was of course it was something simple, so of course I couldn't remember the title. Come on, you're you're African American. You know what Shank is? I know what chicken is, motherfucker. That's true. That that is true. <laughs> no, and um, aside from that, they got the the Russian attack game coming out, which is sort of like Shank in a way, but a little more you know serious tone and has a lot more to do with like stealth and everything. Shank is like just kill everything in sight, and if you can't stab it, cut it up with a chainsaw. Russian attack is like, like you know, yeah, I'll show it to you later. But um, Russian attack is more like stealth and freedom. It's sort of like a mix of, um, what do you call it, Splinter Cell and Metal Slug. Oh, okay. And um, then you got, good. No, what I was going to say was that, you, it, it's always a, a, a given that the summer season for games is going to be is usually dead, just because you know publishers know that most people go outside, except for the newer generation. Those motherfuckers are still in their house. But um, the fact of the matter is that 
the, you know, that's why they put the Summer of Arcade out. Xbox and Microsoft isn't stupid. They figure we'll put the Summer of Arcade out, we'll put some of the really solid titles in there so that we can get a, a decent revenue stream flowing, which is fine. I, I have no issue with that. The fact that you're so interested in the downloadable aspect of the games is just because there's no disc-based game at, at least between now and probably September that, uh, you know, that are going to definitely make you go and drop $60. It's really so much easier to just buy a $20 points card and get the games you want. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get murdered for this, but, like, there's no exclusive 360 title for the rest of the year that has my interest. Really? <laughs> exclusive. I mean, I'm not saying I won't pick up a 360 title, but, like, anything that you can only get on a 360, there's nothing that I give a shit about. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because Kai said uh, Halo Reach, and, uh, and you know, I'm going to put it out there. Halo has definitely... Halo reaching for more money? Well, no. It's, uh... Halo Reach is pretty much the equivalent of blowing their load just because how much more of Master Chief and all these fucking guys are we going to have to see? I mean, you've got to take the franchise in another direction for sure. Um, hold on one second. Before I even go into that, I see, I see Striders in here uh, giving, me, giving me a lecture about using the term African-American... Um, he said, I'm a minority, and I could say black. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny that he says that, and i got to stop myself. And the only reason I said that was just because I was going along talking and didn't think of dropping an M-bomb. I could. I don't give a shit. I'm a spick. He's a nigga. I don't give a fuck. But you get caught up, and you're talking, and, you know, you want to be, you know, you want to just gel with the right words for the right sentence. That's all it is. A well-placed M-bomb or a well-placed S-bomb or calling them black or calling them a chocolate or a tar baby or, you know, a jig or... Come on, Strider, come on. You come back and, and, you, and you're giving me shit. Fuck. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Thanks, Strider. You just fucked up the whole flow of the conversation. <laughs> All right, all right. He has a, he's, it's been a while since he's been back. I'm just fucking with him, taking, taking a day to give Strider some shit. But look, the fact of the matter is that Halo, at least the Halo franchise for me, while it is fun to play and it's great, once you go through the single-player campaign, if you're in the mood to get fucking finger-raped, you go online and play. If you just want to play the game and do what you got to do, you play the game and you keep it moving. But the problem with Halo is that it's gotten to the point where it's like Twilight almost, where you get just hardcore Halo fans, and they give you shit, like hardcore shit about the fact, but Halo Reach is so awesome, and it tells about the fall of Reach, and, uh, and it's like, who gives a shit? It's a made-up universe. They made up the fall of Reach storyline so they can make another fucking game. Way to be sheep, fuckers. Dude, stop talking uh, about Kai like that, man. It, it, it's ridiculous. No, I mean, the fact of the matter is you've got to look at it from the, the standpoint of Microsoft is in this to make money, and Halo, Halo is not going to get any sort of refreshing treatment if people just continue to buy the same recycled shit. 
Because all you're doing is commanding a squad of Master Chiefs. That's really it. Yeah, they're less powerful than Master Chief, but it's still a squad of Master Chiefs. Didn't you do the same shit with ODST and it was a squad of Marines? Weren't you fighting the same fucking troglodyte troll <laughs> motherfuckers you fought in every other game? Come on, man. Give, give me something new. Give me something different. How about... I got an idea. I got a crazy idea. How about... Master make a new game? Not even that, dude. Here's, you want to take the Halo universe in another direction, dude? How about Master Chief gets captured and the Covenant replicates the, the Spartan armor and puts it on all their soldiers. And you got to get through the game as Master Chief with no fucking armor. That would be ridiculous. be different, at least. Yeah, it would be different because you got to use real-world um, defense. You know, you can't just get shot 900 times and wait for your shield to reload. you got to, you know, you got to get shot. you got to get medipacks and heal up. You know, you can actually keep the battle damage through stages and shit, and you can jump in, like, rejuvenation tanks to heal yourself up because Master Chief is practically fucking, like, Wolverine and shit. It, it, would, it would really be a different spin on the franchise, and by going in that direction, I think it would add a, an aura of freshness to, to the game. I mean, it's all the same shit. It's all Spartan shooting aliens, <laughs> the flood, you know, running, jumping in fucking planes, jumping in jeeps, Using ATVs. Oh, look, a sniper rifle. Oh, look, you got shot. Red versus blue. Nobody gives a shit. It, it really is terrible. It really is terrible that it's gotten to that point. And, and I'm going to bring Kai on because I know he wants to deliberate this. And I'm, I'm not going to keep you guys on through this segment because I know we got a ton of other shit to cover. But I know he has a strong well, I'm, point. I'm done play. with games. I'm waiting for the movies. I got plenty for Kai, that. What, Kai, what do you got, man? Hey, what's going on? What do you got, dude? So, listen, I'm not, I'm not a Halo fanboy, but he, Reach does look fucking good. Like, I, I'm more interested in Reach than I ever was in Halo 3. Um, but, you know, I get your point about it, you know, being kind of tired where you're the fucking eight-foot-tall Master Chief-looking guy, uh, even though you're not Master Chief. But, I mean, I mean, what do you expect him to do, man? He's not going to fucking start throwing Hadokens, and, you know, you're not going to have to fucking quarter circle to fucking reload and, you know, shoot somebody in the face, man. I mean, there's not much yeah, else you gotta, can really do. Yeah, but you got to understand. It's like you got to look at it like and, and, and try to make a good point, like a tactical halo. Ima like I said, imagine the Covenant takes all the Spartan armors, and all of a sudden the Covenant got are, are using the same technology the Spartans used, and Master Chief pretty much has to get to and destroy the original costume that has a failsafe that destroys all the other ones. And, and in point, you end up destroying the Covenant in the process. Imagine going through the game, and, and, and Strider used a great example, using, you know, Splinter Cell, Metal Gear Solid type shit. You're, you have no armor, nothing. You have a watch with fucking Cortana talking to you, and that's about it. And then you get weapons and you heal up with meta packs, rejuvenation tanks, and you carry battle damage through the stages. It would be more engaging. It would give you a better level of gameplay. It would give you something fresh for the franchise, and not only that, but you can write the, the, the you can close that story completely. Because now it's like, all right, we ended Halo 3. We're going into Reach. Reach takes place before Halo. It, 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 it's just grasping at really thin straws to make money. And don't get me wrong. 
the hardcore Halo fans are going to buy it. And I'm more than sure I'm going to play it at some point. But the fact is that there's so many other things you can do with that character because the dimension in the universe is so big. You got guys out there writing books about your characters that are expanding on the universes in ways nobody's ever heard of. It's like the Star Wars movies. Mm. Oh, look, yeah. we got all this great material that's, in, that's out there that's in, you know, accessible because it's great books that can be turned into solid games or solid movies. Oh, no, let's just keep rehashing the same tired shit over and over and over again because it, it makes money because we, as the, as the consumers, are sheep. That's all. I just want an interesting and new approach to a tried-and-true successful franchise. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't hate Halo. I hate yeah. the fact that there's no innovation to move the franchise forward. Well, I mean, they, they did kind of do it with ODST. Like, I, I, I kind of saw what they were trying to do where, you know, they brought it back to the roots of, you know, you're just a guy. You know, you're not a spar and you're getting your ass beat and you feel it. But, you know, it, it still was Halo 3, you know, it's the same engine and, you know, just a little bit darker. Um, but, I mean, as far as Reach goes, and like you're saying with, you know, like how Star Wars has the expanded universe, I mean, uh, have you read any of the, the novels for Halo? Because, like, Fall of Reach oh, is yeah. really fucking good, man. Uh, even if you but don't like it. But that's what I'm saying. It's good, but there's more expansion in the books than in the games. It's like all they did from the game was basically, yeah, they plucked out the Fall of Reach, but it's like... They've done so much with the stories already, you know, with the game as a whole, that to go back into that story, which takes place before all of the other games, it's a, it's a little bit, I, in my eyes, at least counterproductive, because it's like, why didn't you do that before 3 came out? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or, before, or between 1 and 2. You know, so that way you can focus more time on 2, because a lot of people say that 2 was the weakest one in the, in the, sto- in the series. You know, you can apply those, those efforts so much better in expanding on the games themselves and, and adding new dimensions to the gameplay that people will actually enjoy. It, it, keeps, it keeps things fresh, and it, it keeps people interested in your franchise. I mean, look at Devil May Cry. When they did Devil May Cry 4... Oh, my God, that game sucked. Jesus Christ. It, exactly, it sucked, <laughs> but you know what they did? They said, oh, let's do something new, but we'll keep Dante in there. You know what yeah, I mean? The, like the new they, character they, looks like Dante, though. I never understood exactly. that. Like, what, what the fuck was the point of that? It's like, oh, it's Nero. And I'm like, uh, is that the same guy with a different hairstyle? Or, uh... <laughs> but that's what happens, you know. There's, the innovation is there. It's just a matter that they want to be safe with it. And you know what? It, you're going to sell units. So what? You don't sell 5 million units. I'm more than sure it'll just as much develop a niche following like ODST. Don't get me wrong. ODST didn't fucking set the world on fire. Yeah. But it definitely showed a different dimension of gameplay, which made which made Halo interesting, at least to me. Well, that's why, you know, I, I really appreciate and I respect Bungie for what they do. And now that deal that they have with uh, Activision, you know, it, I'm really curious to see what they come out of the gate with, uh, with that deal going down, that 10-year deal that they have. And, you, you know, I, I like them in comparison. You know, you had Infinity Ward, which, you know, is now pretty much, uh, they're done, they're fucking dead, thank God. But, you know, you just look at the quality of the product as far as, like, bugs and stuff like, or, like, just, like, a polished game. But then, you know, you look at, like, what goes into the game, and it's, like, night and day, man. You know, I mean, I really hope Treyarch, you know, got its shit together with Black Ops, and hopefully it's a good experience. But, I mean, as far as the Call of Duty games go, or, like, you know, if I had to choose, it it would be Halo. You know, even though I didn't really like Halo 3 that much compared to 2, 
I, I'd still pick Halo just because of Bungie, you know, and I think that just makes a difference. That's why I, you know, I really like the, the Halo games, just because of Bungie as a developer. Well, you know, I, I admire that they take risks, but you know what it is? When the risks don't pay off dividends, I'm more than sure they get flack from Microsoft, because remember, they did Halo Wars, they did yeah. ODST, but then they go back to the tried-and-true Halo formula. And something, something tells me that that's not 100% all them, and that part well, of Halo, Halo Wars wasn't Bungie, though. Um, I forgot. Right, but, uh, the, but the concept, you know, the, the concept... Well, yeah, yeah. Was the, so, right stretch on. Oh, with, what I was saying was that with um, Halo Wars, they allowed the characters to be used in a different, in a different yeah. light. You know, it's like if you've ever seen, um, if you've ever seen the, the short film called Haloid with Halo and um, Metroid. If you've ever seen that, you can, you can check that out. It, dude, the concept used was great just because it's Master Chief fighting all, all the Covenant, Metroid lands on the planet, you know, um, Samus lands on the planet. All of a sudden, the, the, the Covenant start attacking Samus and Master Chief, and it's just an ass-whooping... But you know what it is? The, it showed promise, not because it was fan fiction, but because it was a different style of gameplay. Don't get me wrong, it was a movie. But imagine yeah. if you watch that. Actually, that's your homework assignment. If you watch that video and see the way they did it and, and ask yourself, this style of gameplay would work with this character. What, is it Haloid? Yep, Haloid. I'll check that out. Right on. Dude, you, you, uh, you, yeah, exactly. Um, Dark Helmet didn't like the ending, and I'm not going to tell you the ending because it was, uh, it'll blow your mind. But overall, that style of gameplay, that real run-and-gun style gameplay that wasn't first-person, you know, it was third-person kind of, sort of, definitely was, um, it worked. You know, it worked for, yes, I, the ending was, as, as Slick put it, you know, gay. It was, but well, the fact of the matter is that... Chick or something? You'll see. You'll see. Oh, I'm not going to spoil it. But check it out for sure. And um, let me wrap up the video game news, and uh, that's your homework assignment. Right on. All right, brother. Thanks. All right. Marvel vs. Capcom 3, of course. I've been covering a little bit of it on MyTakeRadio.com. Um, they actually have been releasing a lot of characters. Thor was in there. Amaterasu from Okami's there. Super Scrawl, Trish, Chung Lee, Doctor Doom were all released this week. Mind you, it looks like it's going to be a huge, huge set of characters for the game. I'm hearing rumors of, of all kinds of shit. I've heard Thanos in there. I've heard Mr. Fantastic. But I don't think they're going to go with Mr. Fantastic simply because they got Super Scroll in there. But they may go maybe with, like, Human Torch, which I've heard varying rumors that Human Torch might be in it. Eh, who knows? I mean, me personally, I wouldn't mind seeing um, Matt Gargan Venom definitely would be interesting, or even the Scorpion. The Scorpion would be an awesome Marvel character to put in because you could do all the different tail attacks. You know, you could shoot the acid out of the tail, make him play a little bit like Spider-Man. And not for nothing, I would also include Spider-Man, but include different palette swaps where it adds different abilities to the characters. Again, this is just me throwing ideas out there. Like, you pick Spider-Man, but if you hit Fierce, you can use Black Symbiote Spider-Man. That would be badass. You know, it's, uh, 
you know, Gargan, exactly, I, I, Slick agrees with, Gargan Venom would be awesome, just vicious, and it'd be cool because you can do where he sustains battle damage and you can press, you know, the two fierce buttons and he gets bigger because the Gargan version of Venom, when he, uh, he would adapt depending on who he fought to be bigger or smaller and he'd be just as vicious, that'd be badass. Like, imagine if you pick Gargan Venom and you fight the Hulk. You know, you fucking get, you know, he goes, he goes, oh, you know, you can do like, oh, you're pretty big, but guess what? I can be just as big, and boom, he becomes just as big as the Hulk and shit to fight. It would really be, it would be interesting for sure. Um, if you want to go uh, Capcom-wise, I would put Strider Hien in there, uh, which, is, which would be really cool for sure. Uh, maybe the dude from Bionic Commando throw him in there, that would be badass. I'd throw, you know, they got Trish in there from Devil May Cry. As much as people don't like him, I would have used Nero. That would have been interesting as well, just because it would have been a different, a different dimension with some of those characters. Who knows? I mean, there's so many characters blacked out in some of the posters I've seen and some of the artwork that we can, we can probably get a lot of our wishes answered. I would honestly like to see them do something different and use a character like the Taskmaster. Um... No, Slick, there's another Strider. He wears a white costume. His name is Hien, H-I-E-N. Um, in regards to a Marvel character, I'd like to see, I like the Taskmaster, like I said. He's pretty much the guy, he's like the sensei of supervillains. He, um, he taught people, he taught a lot of supervillains all these different powers and shit. Not only that, but he mimics other characters. So, yeah, it's a little bit like Rogue from the old X-Men games, but it'd be cool because he uses, like, a sword and a gun. And he's kind of like uh, a little bit like Deathstroke and even, like, Deadpool, but just on a whole other playing field, and he has a really cool costume. Again, this is just me talking out of my ass, so to speak, with certain characters I'd like to see. I definitely got to give props to Marvel for bringing Thor in. Of course, adding Thor to the game conveniently when the movie's coming out, and conveniently Iron Man's in there, and Captain America's in there, and the Hulk is in there. Oh, oh, that wasn't fucking planned. Oh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> fucking Marvel. They're so slick. But, um... Definitely, for sure, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is shaping up to be a badass game. Um, if you haven't checked out the article, head over to MyTakeRadio.com for sure, and you can check that out as well. For those of you that are Gears of War fans, you can check out the new content that they're running for the character of Carmine. Usually in every Gears of War game, Carmine gets killed in some shape, way, or form. Um, Epic is actually doing something very innovative, which I like, which is you can select Carmine's fate in the upcoming Gears of War 3. Starting July 29th, players can purchase an Avatar shirt on the Xbox Live Marketplace saying either Carmine must die or save Carmine. And depending on which shirt is bought the most, it'll determine Carmine's fate. It was actually really cool. And at Comic-Con this week, they're selling the shirts for 20 bucks at the NECA booth. I definitely have to give credit to them. They're actually going in a whole different direction, and they're adding a little bit of fan interaction. Again, you know, my personal feelings with Cliffy B aside, I think Epic is really trying to do something different and interact with the fans on a whole new level. So if you want to do some shit like that, um, definitely check that out. You can uh, head over to, of course, the Epic Games website or any Comic-Con coverage, and it will break it down a little bit further. But starting July 29th, you'll be able to pick up that shirt on the Xbox Live Marketplace. For those of you like myself that are playing War for Cybertron, they're actually going to be releasing a new map and character pack next week. Of course, the new character pack is going to include the bonus characters, which all the retailers were offering. 
Shockwave, Demolisher, and Jazz, along with Scattershot and Onslaught, will be the playable characters. You'll be able to use them in Escalation Mode, and they'll also have playable chassis in Multiplayer. In addition to that, they're going to add four new maps, District and Forsaken, which are going to be added to the Escalation Mode, and Havoc and Fortress for Multiplayer. No pricing has been listed yet for the content, but I'm more than sure it'll probably be about 800 points. For those of you that are using the PS3 to watch Netflix and using the disc, by October, you'll be able to watch Netflix, no disc required. During an earnings call this week, CEO Reed Hastings said that the new version of Netflix will be on the PS3 this October. He stated, and I quote, Before our next call in October, we expect to be launching a major new version of our Sony PS3 interface which doesn't require a disc and is dynamically updated continuously with the, net, with the latest Netflix user interface improvements. Wii is going to be now the only system that is going to require a disc, and it's probably going to be because of the lower memory that the system has. In addition to that, Reed Hastings also mentioned something in regards to, and it was kind of a little bit of a jab at Hulu Plus. He said, we see TV shows as equally important to our franchise as movies. He said, at this point, we can, we can start to afford some major TV shows and movies on an exclusive basis and plan, going, and plan on going forward with a mix of more expensive and exclusive content and lower-cost, non-exclusive content. We're looking for more exclusive deals, especially on TV shows, as well as non-exclusive content overall. I think that Netflix is starting to see that Hulu is encroaching on their territory, so I think this was their attempt at saying, hey, we're on every console. We got a whole bunch of movies. Don't come in here trying to fuck up our shit. But two things separate Hulu from Netflix. Hulu has a more updated TV series catalog, which I'm more than sure Netflix is going to make sure to get that out of the way sooner rather than later. In addition to that, Netflix doesn't have commercials, which Hulu Plus does. And you only need a Netflix subscription and don't have to pay any more additional money. So definitely really interesting that Netflix is kind of starting to uh, voice their opinions on Hulu with Hulu only having a, a, a small inkling of market share. For those of you that are looking forward to Dead Rising, you're going to be able to get Dead Rising Case Zero August 31st. It's going to be 400 Microsoft points. In addition to that, all the experience points and costumes that you earn in Dead Rising Case Zero, you'll be able to carry over into Dead Rising 2. Producer Kihei Inafun said, saying they could have sold the game for 800 points but decided against it because everyone can get their hands on the title. He says that the company is making $0 off the game. I definitely have to give them credit for that because it's a great way to get the game out there. It's a great way to get exposure. And not only that, it guarantees that if the content can be transferred over to Dead Rising 2, that more people will buy it. So definitely props to them for that. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to talk some movies right after these messages. little girl, what are you doing? Listening to Tumbling with Tumbleweed. What are you doing, old man? Hey, should you be listening to a show like that? Mind your own business. Wait, huh? Hey, aren't you Donnie Tumbleweed? I certainly am, and thanks for listening. Tuesday nights live. On the Blog Talk Radio Network. All right, we're back. Let's talk some movies. First off, they're going to be, uh... And, and you guys won't believe this. Of all places I get these, this little bit of news, Mr. Receding Hairline himself, Nicolas Cage, confirmed on the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, 
who the fuck watches that show? He confirmed on that show of all places that there will be a Ghost Rider 2. He stated there's going to be a new one. I just made the deal today. Cage also confirmed that Mark Neveldine and Brian Clark, who did Crank and Gamer, will direct the film, which is still rumored to be titled Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Okay. First rant, and I wish I had some water. Let me tell you something about Ghost Rider. Nicholas Cage didn't do a terrible job. He was okay. His character of Johnny Blaze, tolerable. His leading lady, easy on the eyes, shitty in terms of acting. That's the first thing. Secondly, Blackheart was played by the fucking guy. What the fuck movie? He was in fucking P2, the guy that played Blackheart. Not, and not only that, but he just played him terribly. And then Peter Fonda as Mephisto? Ugh, did that suck. Let me, let me break it down to you. Ghost Rider is such an easy character. Ghost Rider has a, a, a plethora, and I like using plethora, it's a great word. He has a plethora of bad guys. He has Death Watch. You can even put Vengeance in there if you want to add some cool special effects. You can add the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider in there for assistance. You can, um, you can put Lilith in there. You can put fucking Dracula. You can put the Midnight Suns. You can even throw Morbius in there if you want. The fact of the matter is, Ghost Rider has, has such a great wealth of characters that you can do, indip- you can do a trilogy of movies with, with, with his character. Me, personally, I would take Ghost Rider. I would pretty much continue it with Ghost Rider going around doing you know, his deeds and being the spirit of vengeance, at which point you can bring in the character of Vengeance, or you can even bring in the character of Death Watch, which is very important, because Death Watch has to do with Danny Ketch becoming Ghost Rider, at which point you can kind of use both Ghost Riders and bring in Vengeance. You can make Vengeance like Death Watch's right-hand man, so to speak. Three things you get out of that. You can use a ton of badass special effects. You get really cool bikes, which I like. And not only that, but it, 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 you can go deeper into the story. Because Danny Ketch and Johnny Blaze, especially in the Marvel Universe, are brothers. So you can do a whole half of a movie just on that relationship, on Johnny Blaze finding out he has a brother and trying to get to him before, you know, he's gotten, you know, Death Watch gets to him and bonds him with Zarathos and shit like that. You can go real crazy with it. But this is what's going to happen. It's going to pretty much be... Nicolas Cage trying to do cool, witty one-liners with Ghost Rider. They're going to have some B-grade shitbag dude play some lame-ass bad guy from Ghost Rider's Rose Gallery. The movie's going to be PG-13, and it's going to suck. Period. Unless they go in the right direction and try and make him darker, I'm not telling you to go totally R-rated, but definitely go a little deeper in terms of the, of the hardcoreness of hardcoreness isn't even a word, but for this, you want a, a really good set of bad guys, and I think Ghost Rider has just the right touch of bad guys to, to fill in that void. I mean, yeah, Slick, Slick wants the movie to go R-rated. R-rated is good for certain characters. Ghost Rider, I mean, his comics, yeah, they're a little bit on the violent side, you can go Midnight Sun style definitely and go R-rated, but even a hard PG-13 rating, if done right. Because you, you, you can do, I've seen PG-13 horror flicks that are 
decent, that are passable. Ghost Rider's not, you know, a fucking high-end character. You know, he's in the same niche as Blade. You know, he fits well with certain characters, but he's not up there. It's not like Captain America and shit. So you can kind of go a little deeper in the story and, you know, go a little bit of hard PG-13. Fuck it. You want to go R, fine. But the only problem with doing it R is that if they want to merchandise, you lose that kid demographic that, you know, Marvel covets so, so much. So with that being said, let me go through the rest of this stuff because there's some crazy shit. According to Deadline, Will Smith is set to star in a movie called The Legend of Cain. The Legend of Cain is a retelling of the biblical tale of Cain and Abel. Smith will play the role of Cain, and there will be vampires involved. Okay. This is definitely not a what-the-fuck news story. Definitely not, because it has, it has its, its moments. But um, the fact is this. Cain and Abel, for those of you that don't know, is a story from the Bible. Cain kills Abel. Blah, 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 blah. Not big on my Bible stuff. I'm a real shitty Catholic. I admit it. That's that. The fact that you want to go biblical and add vampires, oh, my God. It's like, you know what this reminds me of? Dracula 2000 and, and the sequels following that. Because in the Dracula 2000 series, they made it seem like Dracula was Judas. Because if, you, if you've ever seen the Dracula 2000 movies, you can catch them on cable, maybe even on Netflix. The fact of the matter is, in those movies, they really made it seem like Dracula was actually Judas who betrayed Jesus. And, and those movies, besides the fact that, you know, they sucked, no pun intended, it, they, just, they just really tried to, to fuck up an origin that, that time and time again has been the same. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows that Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Tepish, is Dracula. Period. And to, and to go, and oh, he was Judas, and he betrayed Jesus, and as his punishment, he had to walk the earth as an immortal and feed on the blood of others. Uh, why? But you know what? This is Will Smith we're talking about. Let's be real. This is Mr. Welcome to Earth. This is... Mr. I'm going to scream at aliens, Mr. I make this look good, Mr. Men in Black. It's going to make a fuckload of money. I Am Legend made a shitload of money, and it wasn't that solid. I Am Robot made a shitload of money. It's a, it's a no-brainer. I'm, I'm shitting on it. I can't stop Will Smith. He's part of the fucking, he's part of the Illuminati, because all his movies do good. Will Smith could make a movie where he wears a costume made of shit, and, he's, and the whole movie's about the perspective of shit from the bowel movement through the sewers, through the waste system to the ocean, and Will Smith can play the log of shit, and I guarantee you it'll make money. Because that's just the way it is. It, 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 I swear, Will Smith is part of the fucking Illuminati. He has to be. Because everything he does makes money. It... it, it fucks me up every time. It's like, you know, the Karate Kid, a.k.a. the Kung Fu Kid. I'm like, ah, this movie's going to suck. Fucking made a shitload of money. Like, loads of it. And it was about karate. It was about Kung Fu and not even karate. Oh, my God. Christ. It's, it's really terrible. But it gets better. Here's a good one. The Classic Children's Book, The Wind in the Willows. 
is going to be made into a hybrid live-action CG animated film. Variety via IGN is reporting that Weta, the Weta Workshop, and director Ray Griggs from a movie called Super Capers, which I've never even heard of, have teamed up with Deja Vu screenwriter Bill Marsili to turn the beloved book into a $30 million movie using animatronic. Animatronics. Excuse me. The book tells the story of Mole, Rat, Badger, and Toad, four friends who band together to save their, to save their homeland. The film is set for release in 2012, and there's a teaser trailer available, which I'm going to see if I can get and throw up on the website. Why? It's like, let's go and just, just yank these books off the shelf and be like, yeah, let's just throw this up. Let's just put this shit out there, because we can. With that said, I'm going to bring Kai back in, because I know he has some stuff he has to share. I'm sure Slick has some stuff to share. And, of course, I'll be taking any calls. 347-324-3541 is the number. Let's bring Kai back in and see what he's got. Kai, what do you got, my friend? Hey, what's going on? So, uh... So wind in the willows, huh? That's uh Yep. I think I think Slick's gonna have a fucking aneurysm. I don't think he's handling it too well. I don't need him to have an aneurysm on his fucking birthday. <laughs> I haven't saved up enough money to buy him a casket. And black mahogany sold out until Tuesday. So you better fucking stay alive till next week. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Well, I mean I mean thirty million I guess is uh yeah, I can't, I can't even really I mean, do they really need to make this I mean does do the new generation of kids need this? Like, I... Yep. Uh, I don't know. I mean, are they trying to go, like... They're trying to do, like, never-ending story or something? Like, they're trying to get that kind of uh, build-up or, or following or whatever? I, I just don't... I don't really get it. I think they... Let me tell you something. And it's funny you bring that up. I wouldn't doubt... what. And, and you guys can take note in the forum... On July 23rd, 2010, at 12.25 in the morning, Rich said that within the next three years, Hollywood will remake The NeverEnding Story. Oh, come on. Dude, I'm telling you. I'm I know. telling you it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> These are the same guys that want to remake RoboCop. Well, yeah, but you know what? RoboCop, I think, does need... Because, uh, I mean, after Frank Miller kind of ruined the second one... Uh, and I do like Frank Miller. And that third one was just fucking an abortion. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing another RoboCop. Yeah, uh, but, just, but you know what yeah. it is? They're going to go, here's what's going to happen. Oh, we're going to do it in 3D. It'll be PG. Do, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, bingo. That is it. It'll be 3D, PG-13, and that's what will happen. So that you, it'll be directed you. by Shalaman, and then it'll have, like, a twist ending where it's, like, all a dream, and the grass was controlling RoboCop or some shit. And RoboCop never got shot. And then Samuel L. Jackson's an iceberg, and then he uh, sinks the Titanic <laughs> 2, which RoboCop's on. Oh, my God. But then they make a cybernetic uh, Titanic 2, or Titanic Let 3, rather. You. Let me tell you something. As much as you reference Sam Jackson, I w- if I get him on the show, dude, I think I'm just going to sit back and let you conduct the interview. Dude, you, Sam Jackson is fucking... That guy makes every movie better. I don't give a fuck. You know, I think he should be the highest paid guy on the Avengers. You know, not to go back to that rage fest, but I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to give the money to somebody, fuck Robert Downey Jr. You know, just because he resurrected his career and shit. Give him to Sam Jackson. That guy does work like a motherfucker. Fuck it. There you go. 
All right. With that said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to actually mute you and bring Slick back on. I'm just going to go through some of the news stories and just put it in the chat if you want to come in. Right on. All right. Oh, boy. Let me, let me take a deep breath because I know that Slick, Slick is really big on, on his childhood being protected. And as Hollywood continues to forcibly rape his childhood and tell, it, tell his childhood to clean itself up after they're done, I know he's dying slowly on the inside, and, and it's his birthday, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try and ease him into it. All right, I'm going to talk you off the cliff real slow. Step away from the cliff. No, no, there's no talking <laughs> off the cliff. There's no KY for this. You can't ease it in. Why are they What's fucking... What, what is the hybrid of Wind in the Willows with animatronic fucking frogs and toads and shit? What, are they going to try to make it like nine? Guess what? Nine sucked. So will this movie. Oh, man. that It's that bad for you, huh? It's that fucking bad. And what is it with these fucking PG-13 movies and movies that should be rated R? Guess what? I saw a PG-13 movie a few days ago that actually should have been rated R. They can get away with a lot of shit in PG-13. Here's the yep. setup. Batman, Under the Red Hood, animated movie, rated PG-13, because the shit is violent as hell. Right. You got a dude, basically, he's Batman, but he kills people, and he's fucking with Black Mask. Black Mask can't deal with him because he fucking shot a rocket into Black Mask's apartment. So Black Mask, what does he do? He breaks out the Joker. But he, he decides he wants to interview the Joker. Uh-huh. He says... I want to make sure that, you know, you're up to the task of dealing with this problem I have. The Joker says, can I have a glass of water? They give him a little shot glass. He drinks his water. He breaks it on the table, cuts the guy's throat, takes his gun, and shoots four guys in the head. That without blinking, like right. without blinking, he says to Black Mask, I'm going to need some guys. Not these guys. Because they're, you know, they're kind of dead. This is right. a TV-13 movie. Why well, you can't know what Hollywood is? get it right? I'll, t- I'll tell you one reason why Hollywood can't get it right. With, and, I, and, and let me tell you, animation is a gray area. Just because with animation, you know, it's not, it's not, I, I really want to go with, you know, mind-scumming, mind-scarring violence. You know, because it's there, and, and it's animated, and it's not real. It's like, like PG-13 movies with aliens getting shot, and their blood is blue. You know, like, there's certain things, there's certain little tricks that you can skirt the issue with that, that give Hollywood a little leverage. It's also about, you know, what side of the bed the Motion Picture Association doesn't wake up on that day. You know, like, they might, like there's some movies, and I've seen it, and I've read articles about it, where they submit the movie to the MPAA, the guys go, oh, my God, this movie, it has to be rated R. It's because, and, you know, they'll take out a couple of, of people saying shit and fuck you and leave, you know, three shits and an ass, and it gets PG-13 status. And, you know, it's all, it's all about ratios, and it's all about how much you can really get away with. And like I said, how the Motion Picture Association views things. On top of that, it's also about how much money you really want to make. How many times do you read, especially in a lot of the, the rags online and, 
and entertainment magazines and shit about the highest grossing R-rated movie or the highest grossing, you know, adult film or the highest gross because what happens is people like when you put the rated R in front of any film, it's guaranteed unless it's fucking solid to not make as much money because you alienate a demographic that's guaranteed cash and that's kids. The best part about kids for Hollywood, I'll tell you, Hollywood is like the, the, the pedal van that's handing out lollipops and it's trying to lure kids in. But you know what's worse than that? The MPAA, you know what they are? They're those fucking four assholes from Krypton that judge and fucking persecute people before they send them to the Phantom Zone. Oh, yeah, but, here, but, but, but check this out. You've got to look at it from this perspective. When you're a studio, there's three things you, you care about. You care about the movie getting good reviews. Any kind of awards are always good. You care about money, and period. Bottom, and the, thank you. The bottom line is the money. <laughs> money. It's about the fucking money. You don't fucking money in that other shit. Because all, all that boils down to is money. Well, yeah, but you know what it is? When, you, when, when a film gets awards also, they like that. Because that goes nice on the DVD box. Academy Award winning. Highest MTV, you know, MTV Award winning. You know, Oscar nominated. You know, you know except the Razzies. Nobody's going to put this movie was nominated for a Razzie. You know, but everything else, everything else is going to be there. And that's what Hollywood looks at. Their, their rationale for a lot of shit is stupid. Josh put up a valid point in the Facebook fan page about Wolverine. The character of Wolverine, don't get me wrong, the movie was, an, it was a decent popcorn flick, but the character of Wolverine in execution, in execution only, was flawed. Because it should have oh. been R-rated. Exactly, it should have been an R-rated flick. But what, did, what were they looking at? The bottom line. Because when you walked into Target, there were Wolverine movie toys, there was a fucking little Ryan Reynolds Deadpool that you can buy. You know, because that was what they looked at. And what did I see when I went to see in the movie theater to see Wolverine? Kids. Lots of kids. And that's what I don't understand. How was a fucking, a little runty Canadian bastard that runs around with fucking Ginzu knives coming out his knuckles, how is that fucking kid-friendly? What is kids friendly about Wolverine? Nothing. It's not, and and that's the argument that 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 Josh made because, and and he and you know you guys are both on the same page with it. It's the fact that if you do the Wolverine character right and the movie's rated R, it it dude as long as it's done right, it's a guaranteed two hundred million dollar movie. Guaranteed if done right. The issue comes from the fact that they look at kids because they're sheep and parents because they're dumb that's it guaranteed it's like the airbender let me tell you something the last airbender i've heard a, a handful of people tell me it sucks my manager in my office his kids huge avatar fans huge i said to him oh did you take your kids to see the uh, last airbender he's like yeah i'm like so what you think he goes people said it stunk but I liked it. I'm like, why did you like it? He's like, because my kids enjoyed it. That's all I needed to hear. Everything else I kind of tuned out. I tuned out the rest of that. But the fact that he said my kids liked it means, I said to him, did you go to Target and buy them any toys? 
He's like, yeah, I did that Sunday. See? Picture-perfect example of what Hollywood is doing. They won't push a movie like Kick-Ass, which is true to the book and true to its roots because it's R-rated and they lose that demographic, but they will make it a point to shove a PG-13 Wolverine movie up your ass. It's just the way it is. Close out the list. There you go. Any, any, anything else you want to share, my friend? Yeah, I I'm, was unfortunate. I, I told you my mom's birthday is Saturday. I thought she was going to want to see Salt. She wants to see The Sorcerer's Apprentice. So look for a review of that coming. All right. Nice. I sh- I sh- I- I'll tell you one thing, and, I- and I'm- let me tell you something. Sometimes you've got to take one for the team. I have a feeling that movie's not as shitty as people say. I mean, Jay, Jay Barrichell is fucking awful. But I have a feeling that there's a that there's a, a an innocence and a and a, and a and a and a good naturedness to that movie that's gonna make you say, eh, it was all right. But we'll we'll see what happens in a few days. All right, man. All right, man. Sit Talk tight, because it's gonna get even better. I will do. All right. Let's talk some box office totals. Of course, Inception came out. Critically acclaimed. Everybody said it was fucking awesome. I definitely want to see it. Am I going to pay the 10 bucks and sit in the theater? Maybe not. And I'll tell you why. Because a movie like Inception attracts a different kind of moviegoer. You know which ones they are? The wannabe Siskel and Eberts of the fucking world. That sit there and they watch the credits closely and they go... Well, the cinematography was so fantastic, and Leonardo DiCaprio, he showed, he saw such a, such a, such a large acting scope, and blah, blah, ugh, ugh, it happens all the time, you get these, these, these armchair quarterbacks, oh, it was so fantastic, and the visuals were, were mind-blowing, shut up, watch the movie, shut your face, I don't want to hear you, especially when the movie's going on, like, Oh my God, this is so beautiful. Shut your face, you fat fuck. Like, that's what's going to attract. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let Inception make a fuckload of money, because it is, and I'm going to sit back and wait for the Blu-ray. And then I'll just watch that, and all will be right in the world. Inception was number one. Despicable Me was number two, $32.7 million. Movie made $118.4, had a $69 million budget. Successful. Sorcerer's Apprentice, opening in third place, 17.4. It was considered disappointing for the three-day weekend. It actually made a five-day total of $24.5 million. It had a budget of 150. Not looking so good for Nicolas Cage. The Twilight Saga with Vase Face and Llama Face continues to forcibly rape and bite and pillage their way through the box office with a number four spot, $13.5 million. It grows $264.9 million in three weeks. The film had a budget of $68 million. Toy Story 3, once again, continues to rake in the dough. 11.7. It's earned $362.7 million from a budget of $200 million. It is now the top grossing film of the year and Pixar's biggest film ever. Grown Ups stayed even at number six. $10 million. It's made $129.3. It had a budget of $70 million. I'd consider it successful. The Last Airbender fell from number five to number seven. It made $7.5 million. It's made $114.8, has a $150 million budget. 
Predators dropped really hard from three all the way to eight. It made $6.8 million. It had a 73% drop. It's now $40.1 million, and it had a budget of 40, so they broke even, and I'm more than sure there's going to be a sequel because it's already been discussed. Night and Day, I don't know how the fuck this continues to hang on, was number nine. 3.7 in its fourth week, and it's made 69 points. And Cruz stunk. The Karate Kid, or the Kung Fu Kid, as I like to call it, was number 10. Sixth weekend, $2.2 million. Made $169.2 million. Had a budget of $40 million. Guaranteed there's a sequel, for sure. I'm telling you right now, I see it coming. So that rounds out the box office top 10 this week. Last week, of course, we talked about the rumored role that Kevin Bacon may have. Uh, I said Mr. Sinister. Some people agreed. Some people disagreed. Some people said Sebastian Shaw. Here's the, be- here's the part that is almost 100% certain. Those of you that said Sebastian Shaw, ding, 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 ding. That seems to be the role they're leaning towards, but there's still Mr. Sinister and the Shadow King, which I talked about. Uh, Forces of Geek is claiming that Bacon will play the role of Sebastian Shaw, leader of the Hellfire Club. As of right now, it's just a rumor, so keep that under your hat. But those are the three roles that it could be. It's been confirmed pretty much in every other news source that I've read. So you guys can take that in your pipe and smoke it. Mr. Sinister, the Shadow King, or Sebastian Shaw are what Mr. Bacon are going to be playing in the X-Men First Class film. Now, Here's a bit of what-the-fuck news. Michael Bay's production company, The Institute, is going re- to produce... Hold on to your hats, folks. They're going to produce an action-packed retelling of the classic fairy tale, ready for this? Hansel and Gretel in 3D. An action-packed retelling of Hansel and Gretel. You know, I, I, I don't even have the heart to bring these guys back in yet for this, but let me tell you something. Michael Bay, Michael Bay must snort a lot of coke. He must do a lot. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of the guy that created RoboCop in the first one that was snorting the coke off the hookers. That's Michael Bay. The guy that got shot by Clarence Bodiger, that's Michael Bay. He really produces some crazy shit. Who? Who said Hansel and Gretel in 3D would be good? Who? Fuck do I want to know. But get this. It's more than just the story of the witch and the gingerbread gingerbread house, I've heard. It's going to also include legendary creatures from German mythology. These creatures will be designed by Avatar's lead character designer, Joseph C. Pepe. The movie, which will be live action and full of visual effects, of course it will be, will be produced by the Institute and Calliope Films. Scott Gardner, who co-founded the Institute with Michael Bay, and Kira Sese, who founded Calliope Films, were named as producers. It is expected to start filming in spring of next year on location in Germany. So... Let's rewind. Hansel and Gretel, 3D, 
Michael Bay. Something's getting blown up. I'm telling you right now. Something is getting blown up. Michael Bay, he, he really have to do some coke or something because he, he fucking, oh, oh yeah, I'm going to produce this shit. Then fuck it, let's just produce that. Nightmare on Elm Street weekend, remake, fuck it, let's do it. Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> oh, shit. I, I, don't, I don't even know where to begin. I, I don't. It's, it's, it's insane. And, and the fact, and you know what, I can't even, I can't, because I'm just going to scream into this microphone and lose my voice. I can't even express the amount of fuckery that I consider this being. You know what, I'll elaborate a little bit. Everybody knows the story of Hansel and Gretel. Whether you know the Grimm's fairy tale version or the watered-down version, it's pretty much the same. Old lady lures kids into the house, plans on eating them, they escape, blah, 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 toss the bitch in the oven, she gets the old fucking Nazi oven treatment, and it's over. Of course it takes place in Germany, so whatever. How can you make it action-packed? How? It's a story that's probably five pages long. Yeah, you want to include German monsters? How about this? How about Hansel and Gretel versus Bratwurst? And it's just a giant Bratwurst with arms holding a billy club, chasing them to a forest, and he works for the old lady that is planning on eating them. Just them fighting Bratwurst. That sounds a lot more fucking innovative and a lot more amusing. But really, an action-packed retelling of Hansel and Gretel in 3D, uh, it really is terrible. It really is fucking bad. But it gets better. Rumors are going around saying that Adrian Brody is going to be playing Hank Pym, better known as Ant-Man, in both the Avengers and as well as a solo Ant-Man film. As of right now, it's a rumor but El Majimbe from Latino Review is saying via Twitter, I personally checked with my pals at Paradim, which is Adrian Brody's agency, and at press time, yes, they were pursuing Ant-Man, but got nothing yet. So, with that being said, Ant-Man, Adrian Brody, Avengers. Eh, I think, I think it'll work. It may work. One thing I think that may, that may not work with it is the fact that Adrian Brody's kind of, he's in flux, so to speak, with coming off of Predators and to jump into, like, another major motion picture. I don't know if he's, he's ready to make that transition. I think he's actually really good in movies where he has um, a large amount of talent around him. I mean, if you've ever seen Summer of Sam, you'll see um, his acting scope is really good, and he really works well with a real diverse group of talent. So him in, in The Avengers, I, I don't know. I, I actually see it working. Of course, there were rumors that Nathan Fillion was going to be playing Ant-Man, which is also untrue. But I don't know. I think, I think Adrian Brody might work. Not bad. Not, not a bad casting idea, honestly. I definitely got to go with that. And um, according to First Showing, there's an inside source saying that there's um, practically a 90% chance that Joseph Gordon-Levitt will be playing the Riddler in the third Batman movie. Um, as of right now... He's pretty much almost a lock for playing it. It's not confirmed. But, so, he's actually in Inception. He's done work with Nolan before. He might work. He's just as much of a a good actor, a young actor, to play the Riddler. And he, you know, again, these are guys that I, I can't shit on the casting. And I'll tell you why. When they originally said Heath Ledger was going to play the Joker... 
I felt it was destined for failure. We know how that went, and I was humbled. So I'm not going to go crazy and say that it's going to suck. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a good actor. It's all about what role he's in and what character he plays, and I think he'd do a really good job with the Riddler, for sure. It's ridiculous. It's, I think of all the other people that can play the Riddler other than Levitt, personally, I, I really would want to go, and, and it, it's a little crazy, it's a, it's a little out there, but in this particular case, I'd go with the kid from Chuck, with uh, Zach Le- Levi, and I'll tell you why. The only reason is he's young, he's smarty, he has an aura of, of sarcasm about him that can make it seem successful, and on top of the fact, he, he'll probably work for reasonably cheap and it'll expand his acting scope. So I would actually go with the kid from Chuck or Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Either one of them, at least for me, Levitt is, is probably going to be a lock for it, but um, it should be interesting for sure to see how that pans out. Zack Snyder recently discussed that he is actually working on a film called Xerxes, which of course will be about the king that fought Leonidas in 300. It's actually being considered an extension of the 300 story, and Zack Snyder said that he's actually finished up a writing deal. They started writing most of it about a week or two ago. He said he, he may direct the film. It's actually, he said the following, it's really going to depend on what the studio wants to do and what we do when we're finished. I don't have a directing deal in place, but we're writing it. So call it intent. If there was a, if there was a crime, they would probably convict me, he said. In terms of him writing it and directing, he said, is the movie going to be a prequel or, or sequel, he was asked. This movie follows, uh, wow, this is a Greek name that I'm probably going to fuck up, uh, Themistocles and the Battle of Artemisium which coincidentally happens to be the exactly three days, the exact same three days as the Battle of Thermopylae, Snyder said. This one starts off with a quick retelling of why, of the why of the Persian Wars. It's also, it starts off with the Battle of Marathon, then it goes to Themistocles finding out that the Persians are invading again, then we go over to learn a little bit about Xerxes and why he is the way he is. He went on to elaborate on the character of Themistocles. I'm probably fucking this guy's name up. Themistocles is kind of the father of democracy. It's much more about these guys choosing the, sp- these guys choosing the Spartans are, we fight, we die. So that, can- that was an easy choice for them. There's no surrender. The cool thing about the- Themistocles' character and his gang is that it was way more difficult. Things aren't as clear or unchallenged. He has to be more political to get everyone to agree. It's political in the soap opera sense of the word. There's a relationship with Leonidas, and he goes, well, we'll see where all that goes. So... It's, um, it's one of those things where it's not 100% a sequel, not 100% a prequel, but it's taking place during the same time as 300 within that span of the three days. So I have a feeling that there's definitely going to be some acknowledgement of the 300 film. I, I'm intrigued. I'm definitely interested, and I really want, I'm really hoping that they get the same guy that played Xerxes in 300 to resume the role for this movie, just because he was a really fucking freaky actor for, for the role, and he did such a great job, for sure. Um, with that said, I'm actually going to bring Ty in, because I see he has his hand raised. Um, but before I bring him in, for those of you that are fans of the show Chuck, 
here's something I'm sure that Slick is going to love. I'm sure if my fiance was listening, she'd love this too. Olivia Munn will be a guest star on Chuck. Munn will play an impossibly cool, smart, and pretty CIA agent who intimidates and schools Chuck and Morgan. She will appear in the season four premiere episode alongside action star Dolph Lundgren. How about that? Fucking Olivia Munn, man. She's, she's, she's taken her little role in G4 where she actually plays an imaginary fangirl. Let's not kid ourselves. A fraction of the shit she does for that show is exactly that for the show. Anyone that tells me otherwise is fucking drinking that Kool-Aid. Fact of the matter is, she's parlaying her popularity from G4 and her mainstream appeal and is just moving her way right up the ladder. And eventually, she'll be a leading lady alongside some poor guy making buku money and all of us that thought she was so hardcore nerd and such a hardcore gamer and blah, 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 would just be left in a trail of her success. Because that's, that's what she's really about, folks. But let's be real. I mean, I wanted to, uh, I tried to get her on the show just because, you know, I really wanted to see if her, her street geek cred is legit. Something tells me not so much, but... Whatever, man. I guess props to her. For those of you that are fans of Chuck and don't like her, I'm more than sure y'all will be pissed. But, hey, what can you do? With that said, I see Kai is holding. Let's bring him in. Kai, what do you got, man? Hey, uh, Olivia Munn, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get the uh, the appeal. Like, am, am I missing something? But, uh, no. I, I, I've never, I don't understand why she's so, uh, you know, just like, Kim Kardashian, well, I mean, Kim's kind of hot, I guess, in a way. So is Lindsay Lohan. But, you know, they just don't do anything, but yet they're popular. Like, I just, uh, right. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Well, you know what, the, and I'll tell you what it is with Olivia Munn. She knows how to practice her, 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 her skill set to get just the right amount of attention from, from and, I, and I hate using this, this, this generic term from the nerd set, yeah. Just because, you know, she portrays herself as familiar with all their interests, you know, wears cute little costumes and does all this little, oh, look, I'm cute, I'm dressed up as Wonder Woman, or oh, look, I'm Princess Leia this week, or oh, I'm going to jump in a pie, and look, I wear a sexy nurse outfit. And, you know, I try to be sexy and, and, and different, but also a nerd. You know, she, she knows how to, she, she has really good acting. That's all. It's really good acting, because I guarantee you, Half of the shit that she reads off the screen for G4, she don't do half of it. Yeah. She goes to all the par- she goes to all the parties, and she makes sure to memorize the occasional game or maybe play the occasional game. But if you go to her site, if you go to her site, I think it's OMG or Oh, oh My God, Olivia, it really is just a literary fucking finger job about how great she is. <laughs> And I, it's, and I hate saying it, and, and you know, I, I don't like to just really come out there and, and shit on her because, I, you know, I, I don't feel I'm getting the full story in terms of her as a, as a celeb. But the fact of the matter is, dude, it's, it's fucking just a self-gratifying verbal blowjob of a site. Oh, look how great I am, and here's pictures of me here, and my fans. It, dude, it's like a glorified... It's almost like a porn star website where if you pay for a membership, you get exclusive <laughs> pictures. Her site is the equivalent of that. 
it's like, oh yeah, you know, for my for my OMFG friends, you know, you guys get blah 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 because you know she has to use the nerd speak for her website, dude. It's it's yeah. so contrived, so contrived and so perfect. It's I mean, if, if she's trying to get like girls or if she's trying to get like women being associated as gamers in a good way, um, I don't think she's doing it right. And, you know, whether or not that's G4, you know, if she's being pushed to do this and, you know, she's just cashing the check is one thing. But uh, yeah, dressing up like you were saying in the Wonder Woman outfits or as a fucking French maid or whatever, yeah, you know, it, it's funny. And, I, I mean, I don't really think she's hot personally. That's just me. But uh, I don't think she's really helping that image, you know, gain headway. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, she's not really... Uh, Oh, I get like the not the role model, but like kind of like the figurehead of that movement, you know. Like I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, no, like, no. Like, oh, you're sorry. right. No, no, no. You're right. And I'll and I'll tell you what happens. What happens is let let let's look at G4, and and, it, and it's and it's great that you actually put it in, in that perspective. You got to look at it like this. G4. You it's like, let's look at Spike TV first. We watch Spike TV. What's on Spike TV? Tits. Lots of tits. Fighting. Shit getting killed, Explosion. stuff getting blown up. Yeah, right now. You know, everything that they figure gains the gains the attention of the male demographic that's hardcore. Now let's let's look at the uh, let's look at the nerd stigma, gamers, techies, virgins, don't get laid, live in their basements, yada 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 yada. That is the stigma. That 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 really is. Now, when, when they're looking at it from that standpoint, they're not looking at male and female. They're just looking at guys because the guys are the ones that are going to be like, oh, I'm going to watch G4 because she's going to jump in a pie. You know, or, or they know how to their, – their views on, on the gaming culture are so random because you'll watch one or two programs on G4 and you'll go, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like when they do coverage of E3, I give them credit. They do a really great job. Who the fuck, what other channel covers that? Nobody, other than Spike now. Yeah. But it's the same demographic. The same, the same demographic that watches Spike watches G4. So the programming, you can kind of, you know, drag and drop, so to speak, those type of programs. It's just the way it is. And the fact is that I'm not mad at the chick because she's fucking taking it and just riding that fucker home yeah. right up the success train. That's all yeah. it is. Now, did you watch the uh, did, did you watch the G four coverage that you were saying about E three? Um, I I didn't like it, man. Like I I like the the coverage on Spike, but watching the fucking shit on G four was like excruciating. Like Adam Sussler's all right. Like I've grown to kind of like the guy, and uh, a couple of my buddies went up to PAX East uh, this year past, and I guess uh, you know it was cold outside or whatever. And he walked outside, and he fucking, he almost killed himself on a fucking, uh, like, puddle of ice, or a spot, or spot of ice, or I don't know what the fuck you call it. But he almost tripped and broke his fucking neck and shit, because he went outside for a cigarette. And he, you know, he looked at my buddy, he was like, yeah, I'm a fucking retard, I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, wow, that's very human, you know, that's not, like, fucking, you know, G4 ain't right in his fucking lines, like, you know, I just like that, you know, remark about him. But, like, the G4 coverage was like, I don't you know, whoever the, they had the chick on, they had Adam Sessler on, and then they had that, the kid who looked like he was fucking 12, like he has, you know, he, he's never needed to fucking shave in his 14 years on this fucking planet or whatever, 
But like I, right. I just found it fucking excruciating, man. Because they're all like, I mean, mostly it has to do with like them just stomping out Microsoft, and they were like basically blowing fucking Sony and Nintendo the whole time. Like I don't think they were really giving it like a fair amount of coverage. And that's not from like a fanboy, you know, aspect. I, I think it's just, I, I, it's like blatant. Like they just like, yeah, Connect fucking sucks. But oh, yeah, you know, the move is really cool, even though you know in parentheses it's a fucking w- rip off of the fucking Wii. You know, and then they talk about Nintendo, how great they are because they're, you know, they're releasing a fucking Zelda or a Donkey Kong fucking remake and shit, because that's, you know, the greatest news in the fucking world. And their coverage was just fucking weak, you know, and it's like, you know, for a channel that's supposed to be about, like, tech and I guess, I mean, fucking cops is on G4. Like, I know they got to fill a time slot, but... Dude, you watch that channel, and it's fucking abysmal, man. Like, I don't know what the fuck... I mean, I, I'm sure they have a limited amount of funds, like, when compared to, like, a channel like Spike. But, like, it, it's just fucking terrible, dude. Or they have that... I mean, Ninja Warrior is good, don't get me wrong. I like to watch it, you know, because it's fucking crazy and shit. But, like, the what demographic... You know, like you were saying, they're going out to the nerds and shit, but what fucking nerds are watching this, you know? I mean, well, I, here's, I don't... Here's... I'll tell you what happens. I think both of those networks are under the same umbrella. And I'll tell you what it is. You take Spike TV. They're, Spike TV pretty much was the equivalent of G4 when it first came out. Fuck, I remember watching Blade the TV series on Spike TV. Oh, God. And it had, um, it had the guy from Onyx, from the rap group Onyx's Blade. And the fact of the matter is that that network during that period, I didn't really see it going anywhere. And they just started getting the right kind of shit. You know, the, the minute you play a, a, a Saturday block of Steven Seagal flicks, <laughs> you, know, you know you're getting that demographic to hang out. If, the same way you do, you know, Van Damme movies. Like, like take, take all the, the Spike TV programming, and it's this. MMA, wrestling, crazy car race shit, video game shit, horror movies, and then action flicks. Perfect. Mm. The perfect mix of shit to get the perfect demographic to be, to be on your channel. Not only that, but now with MMA and all that stuff, they're getting more women to watch the network. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. The, problem with G, the problem with G4 is that they try to be way too in tune with being so gamer-centric. There's yeah, it so comes many up other, in fake. Right, ex- that's exactly it. The fakeness that they do is ridiculous. Like, sometimes I watch, you know, some of these shows and, you know, like X-Play and shit, and you don't feel any remote connection to them. Like, like, and I, like again, I'm not a journalist. I'm sure you don't consider yourself one. You consider yourself just an opinionated person who knows a little bit about different things. Yeah, I'm just the a fact- fucking retard with the uh, internet, you know. <laughs> exactly. The fact is, When you look at something like that, you have to look at it from the standpoint that when you believe in what you're telling people, it translates through the screen. When you watch G4, you don't feel shit. You just go, all right, show me the video game footage so I can go about my business. That's the problem. The the people they got there, they don't have that connection. You know, they try to be funny and cute, and they drop, you know, little little inside, you know, meme-type shits and little things that that only, you know, those of us in, on the web or, you know, the quote-unquote nerd community know about. But other than that, they don't really fall into the, 
they don't really fall into that, hey, we're really hardcore gamers that want to tell you about this really cool shit that's coming out. It's yeah. like, okay, here we go. We got the new Call of Duty coming out. Oh, wow, that looks awesome. Look at this tank getting blown up. All right, what do you think, Chicken the Green, who's my co-host? Oh, that's fantastic. I was playing <laughs> it earlier today, and I got to shoot four guys, and it was beautiful, and blah, blah, blah. All right, end of show. Fuck, I need a cigarette. Let's go get a drink. Let's yeah. fuck. That's what that is. The fact of the matter is, dude, that G4 is just a poor attempt to capitalize on gamers, and, it, and it's slowly but surely brain-fucking most of the gaming audience, because those of us that are in the know, we don't give a shit about G4, but yeah. the younger kids, the young, you know, that, that 14 and 15 and 16-year-old demographic, dude, they see hot chicks and tit, with tits that like games? Oh, my God, it's a fucking prepubescent kid's joyous fucking occasion. Spank material for that kid. Well, you know, I, I think we got a solid topic or discussion on this one, because, you know, to touch on earlier what you were saying with, uh, you know, the, the journalistic... Um, is, that, is that a word? Anyway, oh, fuck it. <laughs> like, the aspect of it, I think that, right, let's say, for instance, you know, you had a show and I had a show on fucking G4, and obviously I wouldn't be saying fuck every other word, but that's just how I am. But, you know, imagine, if you will, we had shows, and it was, you know, because what we do, it, it, it's personality, and we're trying to convey that, you know, to our respective audiences, or we're just trying to get our opinions out there, you know. I, I might be wrong, or I might be right on some shit, but you know what, I'll, I'll fucking own up to it. And I think that we, on G4, like like you were saying, you know, they have that channel, and it's supposed to be all about, like, you know, nerd, nerddom, or fucking, you know, whatever. It's supposed to be for that, for that demographic of people. But we don't need, and, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying, that, you know, it's, it's mostly the younger kids that don't know any fucking better. But then again, you know, you have the internet, and if, you know, like you, like you said, we're not, you know, I, I don't consider myself journalist. I mean, you do a better reporting than I fucking do. But, like, I look at it and I'm like, you know, if G4 had more personality shows, you know, or opinionated shows, and I'm not saying, you know, they go out there and they're like, you know, fuck Bungie, you know, fuck Halo, or they're like, fuck Sony, or, you know, whatever like that, because, you know, that, that bridge will fucking burn down and then it'll take the whole ship down with it. But... Like, I, it needs more personality because, you know, again, like I was saying, journalism in, in like, the video game genre just doesn't, you don't need any more of it. There's plenty of fucking sites that do it, and we talked about it, that they just had, they have no personality, where they're just like, oh, there's a new Call of Duty game coming out, explosions happen, Michael Bay's directing the fucking sequel or whatever, and we're like, okay, you know, thank you. But then, you know, you have your show, you know, I try to do it on my site, you know, Kevin does this thing on VGN. And, you know, even fucking, you know, Donnie talks about it, fucking Tumble Tumbleweed. And it's just like, I, I don't get why there's not more, you know, not necessarily opinionated, but like I said, like fucking personality, you know? And they have the form to do it, and I think they have the power to do it, and yet it just, it doesn't happen. Like, I, I, I do, you, do you think, like, that's going to come in with time as it becomes more acceptable or more popular? Like, I, I don't know what well, the fuck else has to happen. Well, no, what's happening is, you know, they're trying to cover, you know, San Diego Comic-Con. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to go E3, and that's the coverage that they're trying to sell you on. The problem is that you can really do so much, and this is what happens. You can do, you can do variety shows just on This Week in Gaming, and you can just do, a, a, you know, a 30-minute show talking about the major headlines, make it humorous, 
make it a little make it a little rough around the edges, but make it fun. You can you know have insiders and industry people on there, and you know make it approachable. Pretty much, you want to go. You need three things that for for networks to get really really huge exposure. And a good example of that is a show is is TBS and USA. The reasons being, USA used to only be known for the network that had Monday Night Raw. Yeah. That was it. They didn't have shit else and, and really shitty movies. As, as USA matured and they grew and they started getting their own original programming, you know, they ended up getting Monk and Burn Notice, White Collar, Royal Pain. Now, USA, a solid network. TBS, same thing. They got a couple of shows. You know, they brought in George Lopez. They got the shit with Conan O'Brien. All of a sudden, you're being taken seriously. Spike TV went from just having TNA, then they had The Ultimate Fighter, then they started doing a, a, this huge promotion with UFC, then they got Bull Run, and then they started getting original programming. That's, that's what happens with a, a network like G4. G4 needs somebody to really kick the production side of it in the ass. And they got to yeah. say, say, hey, you guys, look, we need a, a solid talk show with a funny host that can, that can actually convey you know, the real fucking opinions to the gaming community. You need a couple of variety shows, and you need a couple of dedicated original programming. That doesn't have to be totally video game-centric, but you can go that route. Like right now, Sci-Fi is planning on doing a movie on Red Faction. On the oh, game. really? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be on the Sci-Fi channel. Why the fuck isn't that on G4? See what I'm saying? Boom, that's yeah. how you get that audience to stick around. You start trying to do original shit. Why do you think people like watching sci-fi? Because it has original programming. It has a couple of really shitty movies, you know, like Sharktopus. But um, <laughs> on top of that, they make sure to cater to the, to the right demo, man, and they bring in the right demo. Why, I don't understand why G4 can't get their shit together. They'll go and they'll be like, oh, yeah, we're going to cover Comic-Con. And then we're going to show you cheaters right after. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up since I'm staring at Black Talk Radio because it pisses me off. Uh, the fucking you know today's picks, top shows, the best of fucking uh, BTR and shit. I'm looking at this shit right, and you know I'm one for shameless self promotion, and I think you should be on there because uh, these fucking things. Okay, so right now Reality Steve he he talks about fucking the Bachelor spoilers and the Bachelorette. Who the fuck cares? Who the fuck cares? Honestly, I'll like, tell you who cares. You know who cares? I, and, and it's a terrible thing to say, middle-aged white women care. Oh, I'm fucking, I'm about to get enraged. Like, I don't, I don't understand, you know. But, but, that's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying, like, like let me tell you something. And, and, and this boils down to the fact that when we wonder why people watch the shit they watch, let me tell you something, the Jersey Shore is a great example. You watch the, Jer- the Jersey Shore, it's like downloading cancer into your skull and waiting to die. Because it is really terrible. But the fact is, there's a social experiment to it and such an awfulness that people are intrigued to watch it. And that's what happens. They, they suck you in with that type of programming. And what happens is the gaming community doesn't have that. Like, they tried to do the tester, and, you know, that was exclusive to Sony, and they played that, you know, through the PSN network. That should have been some shit that was on, you know, on G4. Why the fuck isn't that there? Yeah, that was, that was the reality show, right? Yeah, you know, why isn't that there? Why isn't the tester there? Why isn't, you know, documentaries on, on gaming there? Like, if you, let me tell you something, if you did a documentary piece on Nintendo and it was well done, you know, straight off the History Channel kind of shit, and you put that on G4, you'd get more people on your network. But the fact that you're using tits 
and vapid personalities that don't give a fuck about themselves or your interests to try and convey shit that you're going to enjoy, and they're going to convey it to you in such a way where, you know, they're obligated to tell it to you. It doesn't just seem, it seems, it doesn't seem genuine. You know, you look at some of these chicks, like people say to me, oh, well, well, Blair Butler's pretty, pretty hip. I'm like, eh, she's, eh. You know, because she gives a lot of really inside stuff. So I'm like, all right, maybe she's not a total fucking, you know, you know, uh, a pair of boobs and a pair of legs selling you on some geeky shit. So maybe, all right, maybe her. Maybe Allison Hazlett. All right, you know, she's easy on the eyes. She's kind of cute and quirky. Okay. You know, she's like fucking, like fucking Velma from fucking Scooby-Doo. Cute. <laughs> you know, so, so, so she's good. You can watch it and go, oh, my God, she's one of us. And you get that vibe, and you and you proceed to go with that to watch their programming. But then the rest of it is cheaters, cops, and then maybe you throw in Ninja Warrior, and then you throw in more cops and cheaters, and maybe yeah. the occasional, you know, Super Mario Brothers movie. That's like, what it is. That, dude, that's what happens. You know, like uh, a couple, uh, I think it was like three or four shows ago when Kevin was on, and, you know, you were talking about being discouraged with, like, um... You know, like, the, the forum stuff. You know, I was on fucking WordPress, right? And I'm checking out, like, the top blogs and fucking, uh, you know, like, the top-rated articles or, like, you know, traffic or whatever or, you know, newest growing fucking blogs and shit. And, you know, I, I didn't expect to see me up there, obviously. But it, it's just the shit that's up there. I'm like, you fucking kidding me? Like, it's like, you know, one guy is, like, just doing, like, rumors about, you know, fucking, like, one guy had a LeBron site. He's like, oh, where will LeBron go? And he's in the top fucking thing. And I'm like, well, as soon as he makes his decision, that just kind of makes your fucking blog useless now, doesn't it? You know? Yep. Or it's just these single-serving, you know, to quote fucking fight club, you know, these these single-serving fucking, you know, one-shot fucking topic blogs. And, you know, there's no opinion. They're just, you know, like we said before, journalists, you know, quote-unquote, and it's fucking, you know, I gotta tell you, I got fucking pretty fucking pissed and discouraged because I'm looking at my site and I'm like, all right, you know, I just started out. I'm trying to grow a base, you know, a foundation to work with here. But it's like, you know, you know, you look at your show, you look at BGN, you know, why the fuck aren't you guys on top? I don't, I don't understand this. Am I, do I not understand the game? Like, am I, like, am I just kind no. of disillusioned and I think like, oh no. yeah, you know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what happens, and this is this is something that you know I've been I've been contemplating and working on. The, the fact of the matter is that those of us that are of the opinionated set that actually feel that our opinions benefit gaming because it's a matter of telling it like it is, or even the community as a whole. It's not a fact of me and you and Kevin and this guy and that guy delivering the news separately. The fact of the matter is that it's got to be something where collaborate, you know, we all collaborate on one huge thing. Like, it could just be the consortium of fucking angry gamers or something. The fact of the matter is that that instead of it being, you know, you got 20% of the audience, I got 20% of the audience, somebody has 10%, somebody has 15%. The fact of the matter is if like-minded individuals apply themselves correctly, their voices can be heard on a larger scale. And the problem with video game journalism, in quotes, is the fact that everybody has their own agenda, they're all trying to get that nut, and they're all trying to be seen. Look, I don't give a shit. I do the show because I enjoy it. If it gets noticed, it gets noticed. 
But the fact of the matter is that I'm not here to try and be better than the next guy. On the contrary, I want to be just as good as the next guy and maybe work with the next guy to make everything else grow. That's, that's, that's how it works. The problem is that it's, it's become so egocentric and everybody feels that they deliver the news the best. And that's fine. You know it is? You could keep that shit. But I'll just keep plugging away and plugging away and eventually some, some asshole will notice. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's fucking disheartening. You know, and all these cookie-cutter motherfuckers out there that are doing their shit. Like, like Kevin's doing a, uh, he's doing a video game show with uh, Corey... Uh, from, yeah, from Spill. Yeah. Um... And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these comments, and people are like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? And, you know, he knows about video games, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, you know, this guy was around before podcasting was fucking podcasting, you know? You know, this guy was doing this shit before fucking internet radio was even a thing to do, and before, I, you know, Apple, you know, smartened up and got it out there with iTunes, and the whole fucking podcast, like, you know, idea or brand, I don't even know what the fuck to call it. And it's just, you know, I'm not saying, you know, fucking, you know, respect, motherfucker, and, you know, you should know this fucking name. But, you know, in a way, you fucking should. And it just fucking, like, it just gets under my skin, man. Like, it, all these cookie-cutter guys out there, all these, like, self-serving fucking... This, I mean, I know I'm going on a fucking tangent here, but, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just... It's no, you're, fucking, not, you're not going on a... You're not going on a tangent, and I, and I, and I, and I can see your frustration, but here's, here's what you do in situations like that. If you feel that that person would be better served to delivering it, you go like this. Hey, man, I like your work. So how about, uh, you know, you, you write something for me or I'll write something for you and, and whatever. Dude, your approach for, for this show was the same way. Hey, man, I like what you got to say. Here's my site. Check it out. I liked it. Hey, man, stop in. Here you are. You know, it, it, it's all a matter of, of, of building relationships. The problem with gaming journalism and, and entertainment journalism and even the whole, the whole culture of, you know, tech nerd shit is the fact that everybody wants to be so fucking into themselves and they don't realize that to the rest of the fucking world, it's like, oh, God, it's a bunch of geeks. You know, yeah. because you look at San Diego Comic-Con and it's getting all this exposure, but you know how many motherfuckers are on the Internet laughing at some poor bastard that's dressed like Boba Fett? They're like, man, that guy must get no pussy. That, that's just the way it is. The fact of the matter is that, yeah, it's gotten so mainstream that people wear, and, and I like what um, the guy from Film Drunk said a couple of episodes back, people wear, wear their, nerdy, their nerdism on their sleeve. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, you, you kind of hid all that shit. Like, you didn't tell people you collected comic books because it wasn't cool. Or you didn't yeah. tell people, oh, I collect action <laughs> figures. They're like, oh, dude, why are you buying toys for? Now that shit's readily accepted. So instead of fucking shitting on it, at least, you know, work on it and try and fucking grow it. Yeah. And I think the problem is, you know, too, those extremes are so burned into people's minds. You know, like the said, like you said, you know, the kid who's dressed up like his favorite fucking superhero and ain't fucking Halloween and shit. You know, you're looking at grown-ass men dressed up like fucking, you know, predators and big daddies from Bioshock and shit, and you're just like, yeah. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you know, part of it, too, is like just fucking getting over that, like, stigma, but, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't help, and it doesn't, it also doesn't help that that's what stands out in people's minds, you know? Yep, but if, if people don't collaborate and they don't work together to try and, and make shit, you know, make it beneficial to the masses and try and educate the masses, we're never going to get anywhere. What it ends up going to be, it's going to be a whole bunch of keyboard warriors 
saying this guy sucks, that guy sucks, my site's better, this show's good, this chick sucks, that chick's hot, buy this comic book, buy this game, and then it's just going to be a whole bunch of confused people going, yeah, but this guy, he kind of told me this, and this guy kind of told you know what, dude, let the chips fall where they may, and, you know, it's an open forum for everybody. That's how right I see it. Right on. All right. With that said, I think, actually, let me, let me see. I think we got everything else. Oh, no. Last piece of news, and I'm sure you'll love this. I'm oh. sure you've heard of the book World War Z by oh, Max yeah, Brooks. Yeah. Well, guess what? It seems that Paramount is moving forward with World War Z, the movie. Mark Foster is directing it, and Brad Pitt is going to be in the movie. Really? Yep. Brad Pitt's Plan B production company secured the rights for the film back in 2007. And, of course, World War Z is the story about a worldwide infestation of flesh-eating zombies, and it's going to be coming out in summer of 2012. So, so Brad Pitt, he's got his own company, really? Yeah, he's got his own production company called Plan B, and they like the book. They bought the rights for it, and they're going to do the movie, and he's going to play, uh, he's going to play the lead. I, oh, sure. I, I definitely, dude, I think that movie's going to be badass, because that's one thing about Brad Pitt. He doesn't get behind something unless it's going to be really good. Like, you know, he jumped in yeah. to do Inglorious Bastards. And you would never have thought of a, 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 an actor of that caliber would do a movie like Inglorious Bastards. And, and Inglorious Bastards was badass. That movie was fucking amazing, dude. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I can't find a flaw with any, you know, usually Tarantino, he either goes like super fucking crazy, you know, or it's, you know, it, he has those like trademark lulls, you know, where, you know, he'll have interesting conversations, but sometimes the shit will just drag on. And it's like a car chase from fucking Ronin, and you're like, is this shit going to end? Is, are we going to move on to the next plot development or whatever? But in Glorious Bastards, man, I couldn't find a fault. I mean, whether or not it's based off the original um, or remake, I guess, in, in, in certain ways of the original. But, I mean, I, that movie was just fucking, it, it was fucking flawless. Like, from beginning, that beginning thing, that, or scene, rather, where the, uh, the German officer... That guy's an amazing fucking actor. And when he's just, like, talking to the guy, and he takes out a huge fucking pipe, and, you know, he's just bullshitting with him, and then, you know, come to find out, he's got fucking Jews underneath in the fucking cellar and shit. Like, that shit was just fucking amazing. And then, you know, just from beginning to end, that movie was just fucking just great. And, you know, Brad Pitt was just, you know, surprised fucking, you know, when they said he was going to be in it, and he was going to be playing some, like, fucking, you know, officer from fucking Kentucky. I'm like okay, you know, this will be interesting, and it, it was fucking awesome. Exactly, but that's what I'm saying. I think World War Z is going gonna, is gonna to have that same type of appeal, man, for sure. Well, the only thing about World War Z that I, I'm not saying it's not going to make a great movie, because I, I really like the book, and uh, that in, uh, what's it, uh, the Zombie uh, Survivor Guide, or what is it? I think I have it. Yeah, the Zombie Survivor Guide was the other one he wrote. And yeah, right on. And he wrote another one called The Zombie Survival Guide Record of Recorded Attacks. Yeah. You, which you know, he optioned, he, not to cut you off, he actually oh, optioned right. the film, he optioned the film rights also to Zombie oh, really? Survival Guide and Zombie Survival Guide Recorded Attacks, so. Oh, nice. But my, my only thing about having, like, one movie, or I guess a series of movies, I'd rather have it kind of be like a... Um, and, it, you know, maybe it wouldn't get out or it wouldn't get as much publicity as the movie would. But, I, you know, I kind of rather see, like, a Showtime series or, like, an HBO series 
like, or maybe just kind of like a miniseries, you know, not like a full-on Sopranos or fucking uh, Rome or anything like that, but kind of like a run like uh, Band of Brothers had in, because, uh, I mean, there's just so much fucking content. Like, there's so much content. I mean, there's so many fucking stories in World War Z. Like, I don't know if, I mean, hopefully, you know, it's successful, you know, and they make sequels or whatever, but I don't know, I, I kind of rather see it in like a show or a miniseries kind of format. I don't know, that's just me, though. I mean, you know, World War Z is one of those books where it, it was really well written and it kind of floated under the radar, so the fact that it even got the opportunity to have a movie made was was really cool, in my opinion. Yeah, That's you know, much it just goes to show you, you know, as long as you have, you know, some stars that actually have a head on their shoulders, you know, and, you know, I don't, I don't know Brad Pitt personally, you know, he, he won't return my calls after that Jennifer incident. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I'm not gay, but anyway, um, but yeah, you know, it, it's good that we have actors, you know, and just like, you know, his wife there, Angelina, talking about, you know, I can't be unwanted too, and they're like, well, why not, and, you know, like you said, well, I'm fucking dead, so it's kind of hard to bring me back, like, as long as we kind of have those few people, and not like the crazy people, like fucking, you know, Sean Penn, who are all like, you know, political and throwing their hat into rings that they really fucking shouldn't be and they should just, you know, be an actor and act and not try to be a fucking politician even though the system is fucked up but, you know, just do your fucking job and then move on. Or you have people that are just, like, absolutely retarded, like Lindsay Lohan who's just a fucking woman child you know, who just didn't get enough hugs as a kid or whatever. But it's good that we have people like Brad Pitt or whatever that are like, you know what, I like this book I respect it, you know but then again, I guess, you know that, that it's not always true because fucking Shalom Mala fucking Ding Dong there said he liked uh, Avatar and he fucking fucked that movie up the ass. So, well, you know what it is. It, it, the the thing I don't want to happen with 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 Max Brooks's books is what happened with Chuck Palahniuk. You know, you took a a, a yeah. movie like Fight Club. Fight Club was fantastic. The book was great, and then everybody started jumping on the Chuck Palahniuk bandwagon, and then you did Choke. Um, there's rumors they want to do the movie Snuff, and they want to do a movie based on the book for Pygmy. The fact of the matter is that, you know, you like the books, they're great, but unless the movies can give the books total justice, leave them alone, because you end up ruining, you know, books that are really good in the process. Did did you like Choke? I liked it. Choke was a very good book. uh, Choke, I actually, when I bought it and I started reading, I was like, wow, this book is really weird. But then by the time I got to it, I found it to be really good. It was really deep. And um, the relationship of the character and and all the, the, the inner workings he had going on, once again, you know, I think it's just the, the Polymuth books in general. They kind of start fucking with me psychologically. So, yeah. you know, it, it was just a very deep read. Yeah, I enjoyed all, I enjoy all that guy's books. Like, I, I was in... Uh Borders, I think, and I picked up Choke, and, you know, I, I, I read Fight Club, obviously, I read, I think it was, uh, I don't think it was Pygmy, I think it was the, what was it, the other one was Snuff, right? Is that the other one? Yeah, yeah Snuff is the, the one with the, with the porn actors. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I saw Choke, and I was like, oh, you know, I don't know how this one escaped my radar, but I, I was reading, like, the, the back of the book, and I'm just like... Okay, so he's he's at like a he works at a historical reenactment and the fucking he or it's believed that he's the the son of fucking um or it's like immaculate conception or something and I'm like yep. I'm, I'm reading this and I'm like 
Oh, I don't know, Chuck. <laughs> but, you know, you know, long story short, I ended up buying the book, and I fucking, I loved it, even with that twist at the end, uh, which I thought was, was very uh, well-developed. And, you know, that, that's the twist that I enjoy, you know, that make you think and that are like, oh, yeah, that is kind of plausible. Um, and I thought, I thought they did a really good job with the movie, you know, even though it wasn't, uh, was it Fincher, right? He directed uh, Fight Club. I think Fincher. I think Fincher was involved and Sam Rockwell played the lead. Sam Rockwell's a phenomenal yeah. actor. You know, and, and speaking of Sam Rockwell, Sam Rockwell would make a kick-ass Bruce Banner, but he's already played, uh, uh, he so? played Justin Hammer. He played Justin Hammer in Thor, so it'd be a little tough now. Oh, he's, he's in the Thor movie? Really? I mean, he's in, um, he's in Iron Man, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, Iron yeah. Man 2. Which he was, he was really fucking, you know, I'm not going to say Iron Man 2 was shit, but I mean, compared to the first movie, it was kind of weak in comparison. Especially, Mickey Rourke is just, just a weird motherfucker, and like, he just, like, he, I don't know, he just kind of ruins it when he, like, I like the wrestler, but that, that's just because the character was, you know, dark and fucked up. But like, watching him in Iron Man, it just kind of threw me off, and luckily he wasn't in the movie that much, like, he didn't have that much screen time. But Sam Rockwell really fucking made that movie. Um... Did you see uh, Moon was really good with him, too? Oh, yeah. But you know what the thing is? That what, Sam Rockwell is one of those guys. He's like Ed, Edward Norton. He's, I, I'd actually say he's a poor man's Edward Norton. Really good if you give him the right script. You know, really abysmal if he has a shitty one. The fact of the matter is, um, you know, he's, he's another guy that just goes under the radar. Yeah, well, you know, luckily he's getting recognition now, you know? Luckily, but it, it's kind of... Yeah, I mean, his turn in Iron Man 2 was good, so... Eh, he, he gets what he gets, you know? But you think it would be a good banner, really? I think he'd, be, he'd do a, a decent banner. I mean, even if it's just for, for, you know, witty exchanges with Tony Stark. You know, because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, most of the Avengers don't like Tony Stark anyway, so if you're going to do anything with banner and Tony Stark have any, any exchanges, you need a guy that can kind of go round for round with Robert Downey Jr. Like I said, unfortunately, Rockwell gets removed from the equation just because he was already an Iron Man as uh, Justin Hammer. Yeah. This is unfortunate. No, no, I see, I, see, I see potential in there. But we, we could fucking break that down for, for a whole hour. So in that case, we are not going to do that. No, 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 I know, man. Um, All right. Hey, did you hear that? Did, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, man. Finish well, your thought. Just really quick. Uh, I, I've been seeing and hearing rumors that, uh, was it Ava or Eva Mendez is going to be the Wasp in the Avengers movie? Did you hear that? I've heard, I've heard, I've heard little rumors about that, but um, I don't think it's 100% legit. Just yeah. because, you know, it's somebody that has to sign on for three films and she's not that high grade of an actress for that. Um, you know, you need you need somebody that's cute that you can shrink down and still look cute. Well, plus she's, she's going to get fucking beat like Rihanna in every fucking film too. Then. Well, that's if they want to see the the whole um, you know domestic violence thing is a is a slippery slope, especially when they didn't want to entertain Tony Stark's alcoholism yeah. in Iron Man. So you may not even see that. Yeah, so, I would. Uh, I would. Uh, you got to actually go with a little bit of a star power. So I, I don't think that Ava Mendez has enough star power. Quite honestly, I would go with Jessica Alba as Wasp. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I'd go with her. You know, she's small, she's petite. It works well, you know? Or you do, like, Jessica Biel or something. I actually would have thought Jessica Biel would make... She actually would make a good um, Scarlet Witch. Oh, yeah, there you go. She'd definitely make a good Scarlet Witch. Or no? I don't know. I've heard different things. I mean, she'd also make a good Miss Marvel. Like, Miss Marvel's one of the founding members of the Avengers, too, so... You know, you got to go a couple of different ways. That's why, you know, hearing the Ant-Man thing and, you know, Iron Man and all that stuff, it's, it, there's still some characters that are missing, so, you know, there's still a lot of casting to be done. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, hopefully, like I said before in the, on the last show, you know, hopefully, I really hope the Avengers, you know, not, not that it does well, but it's a good fucking movie, you know? And hopefully these set-up movies that they're making, like, I don't know, I... Uh, I, I hope it, it does well. well. Well, the way I see it is like this. The, the, the basis of the Avengers, a good, a good blueprint for that, and, it, and it's kind of a terrible analogy for this, but you've got to look at a movie like The Expendables, which is all egos, all personalities, all sharing yeah. the screen at the same time. Exactly. That's, kind of a me- that's kind of the measuring stick you want to look at when you want to do an ensemble movie. If The Expendables captures all the chemistry from that cast, and does well, it's just a matter of the cast of the Avengers capturing that same sort of chemistry. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing, really, just to see how they all flow together, you know. I, I totally exactly. agree. That's it. Well, that's pretty much it, my friend. With that said, um, let's just do the big wrap-up, of course. Kai's website is northeastwasteland.com. You can check that out. He puts up new content all the time. If you're on Facebook, you can also follow... Northeast Wasteland on Facebook. Hey, thanks thanks for having me on again, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, no doubt. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. Hey, have a good night. All right, brother. Later. All right, with that said, that is the show for today. Just want to get a couple of plugs out of the way, of course. Kyle's website is northeastwasteland.com. Got to give a shout-out to MMAValor.com. He was actually in the chat earlier. You can check out MMAValor's website, for kick-ass MMA coverage, as well as some really great clothes from some up-and-coming clothing companies. You can check that out at MMAValor.com. Congratulations go out to Austin Creed. Not only did he win the Super 8 tournament, but I heard that he actually got signed by WWE, so congrats to Austin Creed. Check out his website, GoCreedGo.com, or you can look for him on Twitter, at Austin Creed, and congratulate him. I don't know if he's going to acknowledge his signing, but um, once again, that's really great to see him make his way up into the big leagues. Congratulations, Austin. Hopefully I'll be able to have him on the show uh, before he becomes an official WWE talent, in which case there will be no more press for him. Also, shout-out to the Deadliest Warrior crew, Dr. Armand Dorian's Vitamin Water is Drink Docs, D-O-X, it's drink, D-O-X.com. Of course, Max Geiger's Video Game Project, you can check that out at giantsparrow.com. Uh, Jeff D. Moline's website is jeffdmoline.com. He actually has a really cool clothing company called GTD that makes these really kick-ass T-shirts. You can go to jeffdmoline.com and check that out as well. Of course, props to the Girl Gamer crew for always supporting. Uh, Trina from Gaming Angels, I think, is going to be joining us right after the August 7th Silva and Sonnen fight so we can discuss a little bit of MMA and some video games. So definitely shout-outs to her. Uh, MMA Gospel, always supporters, firm supporters of the show. You can check out their radio show Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. 
Donnie's show, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, is Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Check them out. And um, did I leave anybody out? Oh, yeah, man, the, the, the Cleveland Sports Radio slash VGN slash Kevin's Oblast crew, Kevin Baird, Brian, Larry Mack, Don Anderson, all those guys. You can check out their shows on the VGN Network. Look for it on Blog Talk Radio or head over to VGNRadio.com for a complete show schedule. Always props to OC Remix for their kick-ass tunes, MMA Junkie for their MMA coverage, of course, 411 Mania for their diverse coverage on wrestling, MMA, movies, and video games. They always have really great content. FilmDrunk.com. Vince Mancini is hilarious with all his fucking musings on film. Check him out at FilmDrunk.com. And that pretty much wraps up the show. You just listened to My Take Radio, episode 52, for Thursday, July 22nd, 2010. You can email me directly with feedback or for guest inquiries at mtrhost at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow my personal account at akuma25, or you can follow the show account at mytakeradio. If you still play around on MySpace, look for mytakeradio on MySpace. It's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And if you're on Facebook, stop by the Facebook fan page, show your support, facebook.com slash mytakeradio. With that being said, the Super Street Fighter 4 outro by Pixie Tricks and Zircon from ocremix.org is going to take us out. I'll see you guys next week. Have a good weekend. Peace. I'm out. Well, Blog Talk Radio successfully fucked me with the outro. Nonetheless, I had to dial back into the switchboard. I apologize if you were waiting for the outro music. But with that being said, you're going to listen to the Super Street Fighter 4 outro by Pixie Tricks and Zircon from ocremix.org. You can head over to OC Remix if you want to download that or any of the other music used in previous broadcasts. With that being said, again, I'm out. Catch you guys next week. Peace. Really?